Blog Talk Radio. And tonight, our favorite show is The Orvilles from Seth MacFarlane on the Fox Network, or formerly the Fox Network. I don't know. I can't keep up. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And joining me tonight is a pair of fans of sci-fi themselves. First, he is the host of Source Material in his own right. He is the disapproving dad, Mr. Jesse Starcher. How do you do, sir? Oh, perfectly fine, Mark Radlich. I am ready to have a TV party tonight. All right. All right. We'll pass out on the couch. All right. <laughs> All um, right. And uh, another alum here on the TV Party Tonight podcast. He's the host of his own. He is the host of the Screaming Boy podcast. <laughs> He turns into Popeye. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, he is disgustipated. <laughs> he is Ronnie Adams. How do you do, sir? I'm, I am what I am. <laughs> that's Popeye a, that's reference. another Popeye reference. Nice. Uh, all right. <laughs> so let's think about when we can do a Popeye graphic. No, no I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Dear God, man. Look at it, 2019. <laughs> Maybe the fourth quarter of 2019. <laughs> Just kidding. Second All right. round. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no. Uh, let, let's, let's get serious for just one moment. Uh, we're here to talk about the Orville. Uh, it debuted earlier this year, premiered Sunday, September 10th on 2017, uh, and then they started airing new episodes on Thursdays. Uh, the last episode i believe was uh the uh 12th episode mad idolatry debuted december 7th so it only ran for about half of a typical season or or a full netflix season depending on uh, how you look at it Mm, yeah um let's start with just talking about seth mcfarlane for a moment uh we'll go around the horn jesse I'm a huge fan of Family Guy. I uh, I am known to be waltzing about the house, uh, singing "It's a Wonderful Day for Pie," uh, <laughs> and many other references to Family Guy. We're, we're big on references to references to Family Guy in this house. Uh, what's your opinion of Seth MacFarlane? I know Robert Winfrey hates him. Uh, just thinks yeah. he's useless. <laughs> he, he he certainly is you know? a polarizing person. 
But uh, I'm curious. That doesn't surprise you, me. <laughs> were you <laughs> were you drawn to the the Orville because of Seth MacFarlane or because it was a Star Trek parody? What what brought you to the dance, and what's your opinion on old MacFarlane? Okay, uh, well. When it comes to Seth MacFarlane, I don't know much of anything he did outside of Family Guy. I know he's done a couple, at least a movie that I know of, uh, but I've never watched it. Uh, I could tell you that when I first was really watching Family Guy, I ended up getting the DVDs. This was back in, my goodness, 2005. It was right after my daughter was born, and I ended up getting the DVDs from the library and I was like well let's just check this out I've heard it's pretty funny and and of course my goodness how many references uh, that uh, you can spout off from that show if you're a faithful watcher now I didn't watch I, I'm not like current or you know watching it every week in any way I think I may have dropped off season four season five and it's been around for quite a while so that's probably the first kind of exposure that I've had to him and I I didn't even know who was the creator behind the show itself. I really wasn't into that. I was just like, okay, it's a funny cartoon. Yeehaw, let's go. Uh <laughs> then as as to really the only opinions that I've ever heard about Seth MacFarlane are mostly uh from people on on this here network. Uh, I don't know too many people outside of that who are just big fans of Seth MacFarlane uh, versus not big fans of Seth MacFarlane. So I didn't know what to expect when we had them saying, okay, we're Seth MacFarlane's going to do a space-themed show, okay? Uh, my first thought was something along the lines of Galaxy Quest. That's what I thought we were going to get. If you are, if you've watched the movie Galaxy Quest, starring Tim Allen, uh, Alan Rickman, couple there's uh, Sigourney Re- Sigourney. <laughs> Let's try to try that again. Sigourney uh. Weaver. Uh, that was and that I'll tell you right now might be the reason why I gave this a shot because I love Galaxy Quest, probably one of my favorite movies. It's up there uh, when it comes to. Because we're all sci-fi, you just said, we're all sci-fi guys. We, we enjoy the science fiction, but I, we do love a good comedy as well. And Galaxy Quest did that so well. Uh, I thought, okay, well, if it's going to be something that kind of represents that in some way, I, I'll definitely give it a chance. And I'll tell you right now, I'm glad that I did. Ronnie, uh, Seth MacFarlane, what's your history with man? What brought you to... The Orville. My history with Seth MacFarlane is, of course, uh, just probably about like everybody else with Family Guy. Uh, through Family Guy, you know, I, I, I listened to him sing and, you know, and display different talents. So I got a little more into him. Um, uh, listen, you know, listen and see how talented the man is. He's, he's terribly, terribly talented. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous how. Uh, you know, well, he can sing and act and, and uh, uh, do imitations and all this other stuff. Um, very funny, you know. Um, but with the Orville, um, the one thing you have to know about Seth MacFarlane, he's a fan, just like everybody else, you know. That's why he makes so many pop culture references on, on 
I mean, it's gotten to the point where sometimes it's off-putting how many references he makes on Family Guy. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's just like, can you, can you not, you know, go five more minutes without referencing some obscure '80s TV show? And then I realize I know exactly what he's talking about, so I need to shut up. Um, uh, one one so, thing on that, my one of my favorite things at the end of one of the Star Wars episodes. Uh, where they're they're doing a lot of fourth wall breaking, and the, you know, and they're you know, of course the whole bit at the end of those is him making fun of Seth Green, and and then the second it's, yeah, it's Empire Strikes Back one, yeah, and Seth Green, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's the end of the Return of the Jedi one, and Seth Green finally bites him back, and then uh, so you have all the Seth MacFarlane characters agreeing that Seth MacFarlane's great, and then all the other non Seth MacFarlane characters is just like, all right. You watch TV right. in the 80s. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, it, I mean, like like I said, I think he's very talented. I think he's um, – I've said before, and I'll say it again, he and I don't exactly agree politically or, you know, on most, on most things. But uh, I, I do recognize talent. And uh, when I heard he was going to be doing a show – uh, when he was going to be producing, starring, and whatever in the Orville, it piqued my interest because I'm not a, I'm not a Star Trek fan, um, which is you know odd that I would watch this. But when I heard about it, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to see what kind of train wreck this is uh, because I I fully fully expected Family Guy in space and just <laughs> you know. Uh, fart jokes and pop culture references and everything, you know, him doing weird voices all through the show and, um, and it just being a dumpster fire, you know, well, we've seen this before and it's called family guy. You just put it on a spaceship. Congratulations. Um, (laughs) but when I watched it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this, you know, he's, he's really done his homework. You know, he is a star Trek fan. And you know it 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 fascinated me to to see how much how much, how big of a fan he is of of, of Star Trek and everything um, in that genre. I was really it was really cool to see, and uh, I started you know it's 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 got its. I don't think I've seen a bad uh, an episode that I haven't liked. Now that's that's very honest. Um, I've liked most like all the episodes. There are things. About that, I haven't liked the things about it. I really, really liked, um, but there's not one that I haven't enjoyed all the way through. I want to draw a comparison between the Orville and Family Guy, um, and some of you know, even like American Dad and the Cleveland Show, to one degree or another. But just sticking simply with Family Guy, and then move on to the Orville specifically. Yes, there's gags in it. Yes, there's funny cultural references and things like that. But Family Guy has always been about something. It had something to say. And and you're right. It it definitely has an agenda. But, you know, I I have to give credit where credit's due. These are also the people that invited Rush Limbaugh to come on the show. Rush Limbaugh did come on the show. And he was treated respectfully in his point of view, and he was he able really to was. put forth his point of view. Dude, Rush Limbaugh, I, I listened to the show that he did after he was on Family Guy. I used to listen to his radio show. And he was like, yeah, I was very happy with them. They kind of dared me to come on, 
Um, you know, Bill Maher's kind of done the same thing, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but Bill Maher and, uh, and Seth MacFarlane and a lot of very, you know, outspoken liberal folks have run into the problem of cons- conservatives just don't want to come on their show. They don't want to get beat up on. They don't want to feel like they're not going to be heard. You know, Ann Coulter has, has very <laughs> – say what you will about Ann Coulter – but she, she's gone on the Bill Maher show a do, you know, dozens of times, and she's actually made fun of the audience because it's, so, it, it's just one, one giant pool of liberals. And she's like, you know, and like start to boo her. And she was like, oh, shut up. I don't listen to you people anyway. <laughs> you know, um, again, whether you agree yeah. or disagree with her, Ann Coulter, you know, will sit there in the fire and, uh, and, and give it right back to you. Um, but getting back to Seth MacFarlane, you know, they, there's always a point of view on the show. Whether you agree or disagree with it, it's not really the point. It's there. And mm-hmm. it's funny, you, 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 to link that back to, to the Orville, you know, I, I also, I didn't know if we were going to get Family Guy in space or not, uh, but I didn't think we were going to get a show that had a point of view and that was about something and right. was ask, asking culturally relevant questions. Which is often yeah. the, the forgotten hallmark of Star Trek. That yeah. Gene Roddenberry very much had, a, had an agenda and a point of view. And the writers were trying to say something about that era of America and the world. And it was just massed in this science fiction fantasy world. And that's the, that's the biggest strength of the Orville, in my opinion. Is that... Very quickly, once it had the, the, the characters established and the relationships established, it started to say things about society that I would not have thought were going to come out in a show like this. This talks about transgenderism. This talks about you know, a, a subject that Jesse and I dealt with when we talked about the season three of Black Mirror, which is uh, you know, so how social media affects society and you know, and starts putting people, pigeonholing people into certain, uh, into certain cast, in, into a certain cast system. That's C-A-S-T-E. So the show had a lot to say. And again, whether or not you agree or disagree with the point of view, I think it would be, we would be remiss to not acknowledge the fact that this definitely commented on, on culture and society. And, and, and I think in a very strong way. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. just give you guys a chance to get a word in edgewise here and then we'll, we'll, we'll proceed. Jesse, you want to comment on any of what I just said? Yeah, that, that was one of the things that took me by surprise. When we got into this, uh, I think maybe third episode in second episode in, you can kind of see that come forth a little bit, but third episode is where it really gets heavy, uh, which is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that, but that's where, um, uh, they they have the the aliens have the child and and there is a procedure that must be done uh, and and you're like man this is some heavy stuff and it's not all jokes it is not all jokes and that's what makes the the series that much more interesting in my opinion is that it's just not comedy after comedy and <laughs> I remember starting the first yeah. episode and seeing it was 45 minutes, you know, on Hulu. And I'm like, Oh geez, I, th- this is not going to go well. If it's going to be 45 yeah. minutes, of joke, joke, Dumpster joke, Jokerson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was going to be bad news, but I was very, very pleased with how they brought some of these subjects about 
granted their commentary may not be something that I may agree with or or other viewers may agree with, but regardless, it wasn't it it didn't feel too preachy at times. We'll, we'll put it that way. But go ahead, Ronnie. Oh, that that is the exact point that I was going to bring up. Now, Seth MacFarlane can be preachy, um, and and I, at, at points, sometimes um, he can be well uh, preachy. Uh, I say that, but it's more out, very outspoken. Um, and but he has handled um, a lot of his you know quote unquote conservative guests on the show on you know like Family Guy and things like that. Uh, if they are brave enough to be on there, he he'll treat them nice. I mean he'll treat them with respect. He'll treat them you know even though they may not agree, they can still come out you know shaking hands and saying hey, let's agree to disagree and and move on and. Uh, so uh, I respect that, and I respect the, the the hard work that's going into this show to make it something more than than fart jokes in space. Um, <laughs> Fall you know. down, hit your knee, and then ah, yeah, ah. Oh, I would expect that like first episode. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, somebody's gonna fall down, and they're gonna do that whole bit, you know, that whole schlock of. Um, oh, I, I was know. hoping we would get a character on this show. That would find an old LP of the Trash Men's "The Bird Is the Word," a uh, Surfing Bird. Oh, no, no, about no. summer. Said <laughs> a bird, bird, bird. You can't do that. <laughs> but it, that would be really funny. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it, it, but it's not that. I mean, there are some really funny moments. It is a comedy. Don't get me. You know, don't get us wrong. It's a yeah. comedy. There's some mm-hmm. there's some funny bits in there that uh, that that are really <laughs> that that take you by surprise. Um, Jesse actually uh, in our um, in our uh, uh, chat Facebook chat about you know about the shows actually put up a meme that was like I agree that's one of the funniest moments <laughs> I've seen on that TV show. <laughs> and where, um, well, I mean, shoot, we'll just. Say- um, they're trying to teach. I can't remember his name. Um, it's the it's the robot, um, or the well, synthetic Isaac. being from another world. Isaac. 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 Um, they're trying to teach him how to joke, how to tell a joke, and uh, you know, be sarcastic and all this. And they play jokes, or um, the the pilot plays jokes on him, uh, and then he says, "Well, you have to retaliate now." It's you know, that's just how it goes. And he goes, "Oh, okay." And the pilot comes in one morning and is missing a leg. And Isaac goes, yeah, I amputated it in the night. I got you back. Uh-huh. Like, what? No, you, that's not how you do this. And oh, that's great. It was, just, it was so fun. I butchered it, but you just have to see it to, to understand. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. It is a... It had, oh, dude, I can remember laughing so loud. There are so many times. My son, my four-year-old son would actually watch this show with me, and... You know, I, I'm sure he didn't get any of the jokes, but he he loved looking at the uh, the special effects. The, you know, yeah. Mark, I'm not. I, I don't want to step on you here, Mark. I know you want to move on, but I, no, I, no, we've no, got no, to go talk ahead. about the the visuals of this show as well. This is nothing. We're a lot better than what. Well, I it's expected. it's it, yeah, dude. I mean, we're talking. If you looked at Star Trek TNG and compared it to this show. Obviously, we're talking what it's been 
uh, TNG went off the air in 90, I want to say 96, 95. Uh, I could be wrong, maybe 94 even. But regardless, I mean, that was heralded for its special effects. This yeah. is, this show, 20-some years later, takes those special effects, and it's still a beautiful show for <laughs> I didn't expect it coming into it. Just just like you said, Ronnie, coming into this thing, I was expecting, you know, more stuff. It would be more people driven. We wouldn't have special effects nowhere near what we're used to in Star Trek or or or, or other sci-fi shows. Incorrect. They do a tremendous job of bringing Yeah, absolutely. the the whole, you know, reality that you're in in, in space uh, and you got spaceships flying around, you got poor, you know, wormholes opening up in space. It's very good. I mean, it's it is a wonderfully put together show when it comes to the visuals of it. All right, Mark, I I, I turn it back to you, sir. You know, interestingly enough, that you you mentioned that uh, they said one of the reasons why it, it's been renewed for a second season, but it's not coming back probably until uh, late this year, early next year, is because to do the special effects right for television. It takes a while, and they don't want to rush it. And they, and, they, and Fox has asked for a full like twenty three episodes, so it's going to take. You know, they got to write the oh. episodes. They uh, they got to film this stuff, and then they got to yeah. get the special effects right. This shit takes time. Um, let's quick run Wait, through I, the. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say that Ronnie. makes me happy to hear. I mean, I, as as much as I want to watch it, as much as I want it back. Um, that makes me happy that to know that they're going to do it right. Yeah. And not just rush it out, you know, for money purposes. Yeah. I mean, all three shows that, uh, that ended around the same time, Runaways, The Gifted and Orville. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a great fall season of TV. Uh, as far as new TV shows, all three of these were new. All three were great. All three got renewed for second seasons. And I am willing to wait for all three to come back for a while. I, I, yeah. I like I got my I got my fill. Like let's get some new stuff out there. You know, I was telling Jesse about some a couple of new TV shows that are coming out that I, I thought he'd be interested in too. Uh, that I'm interested in, not science fiction. These are different. But um, so let's let's get back to the Orville here. So. I want to run. I do want to run through the episodes, uh, but I want to talk quickly about the, the different characters because there's not a wasted character on here, and each one of them has an episode sort of uh, revolving around them in some way. Uh, and I, so I feel like even though you know one might not be the captain, or there might not be exactly equal sh- uh, screen time, I still think the show does a great job of balancing all the characters. So they deserve to be. They each deserve to be mentioned. So you have Seth MacFarlane in the lead role as Ed Mercer. He's the captain of the Orville. And his story is he caught his wife cheating on him. Uh, He kind of went into a slump. After about a year or so, he's given the opportunity to pull out of said slump and captain an exploratory vessel, which is his life stream. And he spends the the season... um, He spends the season uh, wrestling with that responsibility, wrestling with his own self-doubt. And, and of course, his uh, then ex-wife becomes his second in command. Uh, she plays his first officer. She plays commander Kelly Grayson. This, of course, is Adrian Palicki. Also, Mockingbird, 
from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and my forthcoming West Coast Avengers movie. Um, all right. Oh, <laughs> well, there's, hey, you're going to have to do some contract work there, Mark Radlich. I, I was, I was listening. I was just trying to, you know, flesh out that word forthcoming. <laughs> Any day now, I'm going to get that phone call. Anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys. Uh, as far as a leading man and somebody who I who is wrestling with all of these different emotions, and like I said self doubt and betrayal, and balancing that with having to captain the ship, and you know, and really taking advantage of the opportunity he's been given in the sort of a second chance. Uh, how do you think Seth MacFarlane did with? all of that um, performance-wise, Ronnie? I didn't think he could pull it off. But by golly, he did a great job. Yeah, I agree. I, I really think that. I think, he, I think he's a good actor. I mean, it's not just, you know, like I said, it's not just funny voices and and um, and silly jokes. He, he, he actually displays emotion and um, does it well. And, you know, uh, it he definitely portrays that um, struggling, you know, having the burden of uh, do I really belong here? Uh, I mean, that's the, that's all the emotions that I got. Uh, self-doubt. Um, he was happy at first and now he's doubting himself and then, then this, and, you know, it's just, he, he displays all of that. And, and, you know, I think he does a really good job. Yeah, you know that's the thing is I think he gets he gets very easily written off because of the nonsense that he does on Family Guy. Seth MacFarlane's actually yeah. a very talented, very talented singer, very talented actor, and I think people are you know are wrong to just sort of uh, dismiss him because he's known for juvenile comedy. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, I was just going to say I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I mean, again, like I said. Uh, you could have told me that the voice behind Family Guy, which I assume is correct, the guy who voices Peter Griffin is Seth MacFarlane, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And Brian you have, and Stewie. You could have told me that, and I would be like, who the hell is this guy? I don't know. I don't <laughs> even know who you guys are talking about. Uh, so I didn't, know, I didn't know what we were going to get. Uh, and, I mean, there wasn't too many points in the series where I could not – uh, accept him as Ed Mercer. So the yeah. the only thing that kind of worried me, and I, you know, I, it was his relationship with K- uh, Kelly, his ex-wife. I was, man, some points throughout these these episodes, I was just like, I, I knew it was going to be inevitable as to what the result was. You know, this they weren't getting along. She showed up on the ship. And uh, man, I don't know. There's, I think the one time that he became unbelievable was there were a few moments where he had to act like he was like in, in, in some type of romantic situation, whether it be with Rob Lowe or whether it be with <laughs> his ex-wife. I, I, I couldn't, well, he seemed who to wouldn't be in love with there. Rob who wouldn't be in love with Rob Lowe, really? Everybody was on the ship. Everybody was. Um, of course. But, uh, it's Rob Lowe. But, yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't. So that, that was probably the, some of the, the, the rare times where I was just like, okay, this, this doesn't feel right to me. But 
those were few and far between. So, as as Seth MacFarlane as Ed Mercer, he he did it. He did a fine job, in my opinion. Um, the aforementioned Adrian Palikius, Commander Kelly Grayson. Uh, I thought she was going to grate on my nerves, especially the way the women characters are written in Family Guy. Uh, I mean, Family Guy <laughs> summed it up once, where you know you have Peter cutting off Lois, going, "No, no, 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 no. We only do the guy side of the joke." Um, <laughs> I, I, I can certainly appreciate a niche place in the market where that caters to men, because so much of television and movies, you know, cater to women. And you know, believe it or not. Um, so I really thought they were going to give her kind of short shrift and make her a shrew and a pain in the ass and that a lot of the grist for the mill in the show was going to be the conflict between them. But they actually made her a very likable character, I thought. I thought Adrienne Palicki is a, a, a capable actress. Uh, she, she does a fine job of portraying this character. The character itself, I think, is a, is a good balance to Mercer. Um, and while... And while their conflict in the beginning does revolve around their, their, their split, which they go back to time and time again, there's other stuff going on with her. And as we'll talk about, you know, the end of the season with her deciding they shouldn't be in a relationship because it, it taints how he deals with her and she wants to be dealt with appropriately as they are in a, you know, a scientific and military institution uh, I, I thought that was all handled very well, uh, and it made for interesting television. Jesse, I'll go to you first. Uh, Adrian Palicki is Commander Grayson. Uh, listen, I'm right there with you. Thought she would potentially be very grating in the whole playing off of Seth MacFarlane or Ed Mercer as you know this will they won't they relationship. I mean, obviously they were married. I was. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know if I was going to like that aspect of the series, and there were points where I was just like, Ugh, "Okay, I don't. We don't need. It. We don't need any more of this. It's going to be inevitable as to what happens." Uh, the other thing is, sorry, Colton has come down the stairs, so I want to make this real quick. At towards the end of the series, or towards the end of the season, she became a very strong character in my opinion. She was done very well, um, and. It was. She's pretty to look at. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty. She's pretty. She's pretty. I'll turn it over to you, Ronnie. If you got, if you, if you want to go next. I'm a fan of viewing her. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking of she is, she's, male-led podcasts and opinions. <laughs> She is very pretty. <laughs> but um, as far as an actress goes, I've seen her in a lot of things, and she holds her own, man. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people think she's just a pretty face, you know. Um, she's not really. She, I mean, I've, I've seen her in John Wick, um, you know, in the ill-fated uh, <laughs> G.I. Joe movies. Um things like that but she's still she's still the most enjoyable parts of the you know some of some of the most enjoyable parts of the G.I. Joe movies you know because she does a good job um she's a strong actress she's a strong female lead you know and um I was afraid like you all was like uh you know do we really need need another will they won't they and then I started thinking you know maybe she's going to be his the the his ba- 
Zane the entire time on this, you know, his um, the uh, thorn in his side because you know he's his ex-wife and he has to share a vessel with her and and you know with her character, um, you always got a sense of that. I always felt like she was actually very sorry for what she did, and you know. Find, you know, come to find out she didn't actually mean to do what she did. It was, you know, another sci-fi twist to it. And um, it, kind of wishing that they were still, you know, still together. Did and, they um, firmly establish that? Because I got the impression they left it ambiguous. Uh, what we're talking about is um, whether or not the Rob Lowe character, uh, whether she was whether she really wanted to sleep with him or she was affected by his pheromones, which, you know, which made her open to sexual suggestion. Uh, I, I, I got the impression. She in, was open. Uh, okay. I got the impression in that episode that it was ambiguous. Um, they weren't really committed to it one way or the other because the implication more or less is rape then. And I don't think that that's what they were saying. But essentially, she was not in control um, of herself, and he was taking advantage of a. Uh, he he was taking advantage of her because she was affected by the pheromones. Well, let's you know let's let's take it back to comic books. What about the character Star Fox? What about him? He, I mean, essentially, that he does the same thing. I have no. I mean, I do his, not know his power set, sir. <laughs> oh. His power, well, his power is space I, rape. No, his blue splooge. <laughs> oh lord! <laughs> Keep coming back. <laughs> Sorry, Ronnie. Go ahead. Start the fox. <sighs> space rape. Go. He is the brother. Oh lord. Um, his name is Arrow. Um, and his superhero name is Star Fox. Um, you know, he's got all the Titan, you know, superhuman strength, stamina, agility, flight, healing factor, halted aging. And he has a psychic control over the emotions of others. And and the She-Hulk one, um, she had a relationship with him, or one night stand or something like that. And come to find out, it was because he accidentally used his powers on her. And, you know, that whole issue came up of, well, you know, should we call it rape? Or, I mean, what what do we do with this? And um, it's, it's not as far-fetched as you think because they did it in the comic book first. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think... Real quick, I have breaking news. So you know how I've been bellyaching about this Barbie thing? Yeah, it got moved to 2000. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure you got it planned out for then too. What? What's the date? 2000. <laughs> May 8, 2020. Oh well, my goodness, that's well within your capability. As I said, <laughs> all you got to do is erase one part of the schedule. That's like that coming up next he's month. Got, he's got it planned out that far. I'm so sorry, guys. I didn't know. <laughs> it, it just changed this week. I just right. happened to be doing this 
I just happened to be looking at Box he Office Mojo, really- and I see it. I'm like, holy shit, it moved two years up or two years back. Mark Radulich <laughs> has oh, stressed no. me out for 48 hours <laughs> about the stupid Barbie podcast. <laughs> that, my mind, I'm thinking, on Facebook. why God's name do you want to do – hold on. Why do you want to do a movie podcast about Barbie? You know, and I'm like, well, there's an audience for that, you know, and it's a movie podcast. You know, you gotta you gotta deal with some, you know, all the movies, no matter what. But do you really have to make it sync with everything else on the network? Because it's friggin' Barbie. You know, there are, unless you do, uh, you know, Metal Hammer of Doom on the the band Aqua. You're not going to get a Barbie. <laughs> do not give him. No, don't give him ideas. Do not do that. So he has stressed me out for 48 hours. What book are we going to do? Are we going to do uh, uh, Veronica and Betty? Are we going to do this? What about Jim? What about Dazzler? Let's put a poll online. You know, and that's why everybody else was like, well, I vote for this. I vote for this. And, I just, and all I did was abstain. I just wrote abstain and that's it. Because it was down between Jim and the holograms and um, Model models, Inc. And models Inc. I was like, I don't, I don't have a desire for either one of those, so whatever. And um, so yeah, and, it, and it's been pushed back to 2020. <laughs> I All said right, I was now. sorry. I Take that, Mark Radlich. <laughs> Hashtag the schedule. Hashtag the will. That's what Mark Mark Radlich is a dangerous freelancer. He will kill you with scheduling <laughs> dates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got the will, we got the stock, and we have the schedule. <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get starring in Saga. All right. Let's get, I'm, way, I'll say it again. I'm you so sorry. It, we covered, we covered Saga last night on um, uh, source material. It'll be popping up material. on February 5th. You guys can get that reference in right. the future. <laughs> Yeah, and um, if you didn't know, they just released uh, Saga Funko Pop figures. Mm, all right, sweet. All right, Mark, take us back. What are we doing? Okay, let's get back on track here. <laughs> Fucking derailed the podcast myself. Um, <laughs> let, let's move. No one but let's yourself. Move to <laughs> let's move on to the other characters here, and we'll kind of do these in short form. I'm, I think the two leads deserved the most time, but you have the doctor, uh, Dr. Claire Finn, who's pay, played by Penny Johnson, Gerald, and she's okay. She has some funny moments in this, especially with Yafit. She has a great episode uh, where um, Isaac actually bonds with her kids, but, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I thought, the, I, thought, I thought the woman who plays her is fine. I think the character is kind of fine. I don't think there's really much to her. I think, like I said, her, the, the episode where, uh, that focuses on her, the, her and the kids is where you get to know her the most. And she seems like a single mom. You know, I don't think there's much to her. That doesn't, that's not a bad thing. I just, she's not one of the more stand out uh, personalities in the bunch. Jesse. I agree. Uh, and, you know, I echo the same sentiment about that trip that they, where they get wrecked on that planet. They really, you could tell that their purpose of that episode was to give her some character development. And I think they did a great job along with Isaac as well. Uh, two of some of the, you know, two of the most 
unlikely characters, I guess you would say that would be that the that they would focus on together. Uh, it, it was it was a great a great story that was told there. Plus, you see how strong this woman is. I took her as like this old older you know doctor lady, and then when they threw that episode in there where she's like you know going about this random planet and getting I think she ends up getting taken prisoner and she ends up killing this guy like which was really strange but that really gave her some strength in my opinion and, and strengthened her character Ronnie yeah no uh, I agree it's um it, she I thought she was just going to be another bones knockoff you know <laughs> um a lot of people are like but bones is a great character you know, from the doctor from um, Star Trek, is he? Is he? You know, I mean, <laughs> just he walked around saying, "I'm a doctor, not a forklift, or whatever." Um, <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a forklift. I don't recall that. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't think that was ever said. But um, I believe you're referring to the Transformers, by the way. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> Damn it, Jim! I'm a doctor, not a forklift. <laughs> that might have actually been Rexar from the Transformers movie. Now that I think about it, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but they oh. gave her they gave her a really good backstory. They gave her, you know, uh, uh, some strong character characterization. Um, it was completely her choice to be a single mother, um, and you know, it's not a uh, oh you know, what was me story. Um, it was her choice and the, you got some humor out of it. One of the funniest parts was when Isaac, you know, this emotionless synthetic being from another planet goes complete mom on these, on these guys, on these little boys. And if you all don't shut up, I'm going to turn this spaceship around or whatever he says. We shall not discuss the game. Yeah. We shall not discuss the game. Game. <laughs> I uh, uh, it, it was. I my my favorite part of that is him, go, is, him con- is him constantly referring to them as feeble. You are feeble, and will will hold me back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's saying all the things we as parents want to say, but we can't because we we live in a society. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, tell me if you agree with this, Ronnie. Do you think that Dr. Claire Finn is the most relatable person among the the cast here, the the, the crew of this ship? For human me, no. Human. Okay, all right. Uh, I, I, well, then I guess I will defend defend myself or kind of explain where I'm coming yeah, from. No. I think. Well, I mean, I, I think different people are going to relate with different characters on the show. Okay. But. Well, I, and I could agree with that, but to me, this lady was probably the most down to earth of the whole crew. Um, you know, when I watch a show like this, I put myself, and no matter what the fantastical situation is, I put myself in that situation. And the person that acts like I would act is the one I clearly relate to and say, okay, well, this this is the person that's got a level head about him. This is the person that I can identify. I would most likely be if I was amongst this crew. Uh, so it, it seems like most of what she does had a very kind of, you know, it, it felt very down to earth to me. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Some would probably say our 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 uh, comedian uh, pilot that you mentioned there earlier is that is that Gordon, the helmsman? No, it's yeah. Jay Lee. Jay okay. Lee. No, I, okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the black guy, right? The black no, uh, pilot. No, Scott Grimes. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I think Sorry. his name, his character name is Gordon. Yeah, it I is Gordon Malloy. He, he might be he might be up there for some people as well because. Uh, he's pretty funny. So anyway, I'll stop talking. <laughs> you don't have to be so formal, Jesse. If you want to talk, talk. <laughs> That's my cue, sir. That's my cue to let you know. <laughs> um, all right. I say, let... I say that in everyday conversation as well. Uh, instead of just stopping, talking. I just I, I am sure done talking. <laughs> I would like to catch no this chat. I am. I am done talking now. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, the rest of the cast is, um, let's talk about our two pilots here. Scott Grimes, who plays Gordon Malloy, he's Mercer's best friend. And you have Jay Lee, who is John Lamar, who starts off as, here's my problem with these two guys. It's both a problem and something I liked about the show. Star Trek was very stilted. If you've ever watched the old Star Trek show, and even to a certain degree, so was Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, we're all educated guys. We all went to college. Uh, we're, you know, we're all pretty well read. And we, we still talk with a certain parlance, with certain, um, uh, a certain vulgarity, if you will. It's uh, <laughs> true. Uh, and, some more than others. And, <laughs> some more than others. <laughs> we can turn it on. We can turn it off. Um, we can dance if you want to. But uh, what I... So... Even, you know, if you think about, like, your place of work, uh, you're going to talk professionally at times, and other times, you know, you'll be a little bit more loose. And Star Trek was never really like that. Everything was very dramatic and very stilted, uh, as I said before. And almost immediately, they set the tone on this show is these are still people. People talk differently in different situations. People still have, um, as I said, a bit of parlance to them. And I kind of liked that about the show, but at times I thought it was a little out of place. And with the two pilots, I definitely thought it was a little out of place at times. You know, and and I, I just like I can't imagine so, somebody in a formal environment piloting a <laughs> ship saying some of the stuff they say on this show, <laughs> like outside outside of out, outside of uh, the. Uh, the main deck there, the the bridge. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. Some of the stuff that they have, some of the lines they have on the bridge, I'm just like, I don't know about that. And I really thought those characters were going to get on my nerves, but they, they may, they, they dialed Gordon back from being too silly. And Jay Lee started off extremely silly to the point where I really wrote him off as a character, but towards the end, especially, uh, one of the last episodes where he gets promoted to the uh, sh- to the ship's en- chief engineer, he really he really comes out as a character. The um the only other like vivid memory I have of of uh, Jay Lee who plays John Lamar is the episode where they're on like a modern day Earth type planet and he starts humping the statue, and I'm and again I'm like come on you're in the military. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> if if we have, if, there's nobody in the military humping a statue in whatever country has allowed us to maintain troops there for whatever the reasons are, you know, or you know, or they're they're there sort of you know doing an investigation, and he's like, let me take five minutes out of this investigation to ask you about your sex life, and then fuck this here statue. No, you won't. You're not gonna do that. So it was one of the sillier parts to me. But what did you, uh, Jesse? You can talk again. What did you Great. think of Scott Grimes and Jay Lee? Uh, yeah, it, it is clear that these guys were the comedy pair of this show, and and just like you said, it was a lot of what seemed to be comedy for comedy's sake because we got to get a few jokes in there and some funny stuff. Not saying that it wasn't funny, because there was some definite hilarity that occurred between these two. Uh, of the two, though, Jay Lee has... He's probably one of the weakest when it comes to portraying their character on here. I didn't... I'm sorry, but I didn't buy him for a minute. I don't know what this guy... Uh, what, I'm, I'm pulling him up on Wiki right now, and I, I hate to sound that critical of the guy, uh, well, let's go to his Wikipedia. His Wikipedia is one sentence. Jay Lee is an American <laughs> actor and writer known as Lieutenant John Lamar on the Fox science fiction comedy television series, The Orville. That's it. So that shows. Okay. Um, it's like you got to get the references. Uh, uh, footnote number two. How a family guy rock how a family guy receptionist rocketed his way aboard the orbit. <laughs> oh goodness, Hollywood reporter. Wow. Okay, he's got work to do. He's he's got work to do. And given you know, each each cast member had their chance to shine in a, in an episode. Okay. I kind of understood what they were doing with his character, you know. He he's the he's the screw up and in that episode that they focused on him was where, you know, this guy's the this lieutenant is very smart, but he just chooses to act like, you know, a big goofball uh, until he's put in a situation where he needs to use his smarts to better the to better the crew and better the ship. Uh, and he does it in a I good actually, way. I, still I actually didn't like that him. about him. That I actually like that about him. I liked what he said when you know when um, when Paliki is. Oh God, I'll say her character name. When Grayson is saying, like, you have all this potential, you're, you know, you're this level genius, why are you choosing to hide it? And he was like, well, when you're the smartest guy in whatever back world, world he, backwoods world he came from, and it works out poorly for him, it's made him gun-shy. Well, yeah, that's believable. You ever be the, you ever, have you ever you know, been the smartest guy in a room full of dummies? You know, and the dummies make fun of you for it? It, you're not gonna. You're not gonna want to show how smart you are. It makes you an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, I Every totally Monday. got that about him. <laughs> don't stop it. We don't call you a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. Shoot. I'm not smart. <laughs> Start talking so I can cut you off again. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I have important things to say. <laughs> I okay I mean yeah I, that portion of the character was or that portion of the story I can understand that character as being a little bit believable but still I mean hey that's just me saying it it was obvious that this guy had not 
been much of an actor in anything, and he felt like the least effective amongst everybody here. And that's to his credit, he's on a show on Fox that's getting pretty good reviews uh, and amongst some pretty heavy hitters when it comes to cast. So we'll give him that. Now, Scott Grimes, go ahead. He was a writer on the Cleveland show. Okay. All right. Uh, Scott Grimes as Lieutenant Gordon Malloy. uh, Obviously, uh, of the pair, he was the one I liked the most. That was more more funny and seemed more natural, in my opinion. Uh, And... You know, again, these these two are just like, you know, it's Abbott and Costello there on the bridge. Uh, no, it shouldn't be happening, but it is. And it, dis- it, it, didn't, it didn't make me hate the series. There were some points where I was just like, Mark, I, I can't. I don't know if this would ever happen, but regardless, I, I, need, I understand that this is a comedy, drama, sci-fi show that I'm watching. Uh, so it didn't bug me that bad. Ronnie? I didn't even think of it like that. I just enjoyed them for what they were. Okay. What did it you think of the really... uh, What's his name? The um, uh, the super smart guy that hides it. Um, Jay Lee, oh, wow. Lieutenant Lieutenant John Lamar. Jay Lee. I was like, yeah. You literally just said his name, and I'm like, Bleh. Um <laughs> All right. Told you, not smart. Um, he you you can definitely tell this is this is his you know one of his first outings into into the you know into a a major role like this. So, but he does. I think he pulls it off very well. Um, the other the other Gordon, I think he's hysterical and he plays that college buddy role just just right. You know, not too outlandish. Has to pull it back some. He's asked. You know, he's asked to pull it back. Hey, man, you know, uh, this is really important to me. Um, I, I really need you to, you know, chill out on joking around and, and take your job seriously. And um, so, and he does so. Um, and I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed them as, as a, the comedy duo. Okay. Um... I'm done talking. <laughs> you queued him up. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Lastly, we are our alien characters. We have Isaac, who is a uh, artificial non-biological race from Kalon 1. We have Alana, uh, Alara Katan, who is played by Halston Sage, who's of the Zalian race, and she opens jars of pickles. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then we have Commander Bordis, who is played by Peter Macon. Uh, he comes from the all-male planet. Uh, he is a Mocklin. Uh, I don't see the name of his planet here. Anyway, Can we just uh, it's call him Data? Mockless, apparently. is. I'm seeing it on the wiki here as Mockless. Yeah, you're right. It's Mockless. I uh, think he's a Mucklin, and they are in all, it's an all-male planet, um, et cetera, et cetera. All right, um, I'll leave this kind of open to you guys. You know, who, which characters did you like the most, like the least? Uh, what did you think of the performances, the actors? Go ahead, Ronnie. Um, I absolutely love, love Isaac. I think he's hysterical. Um, to, <laughs> 
almost almost too funny at times because I know he's he's supposed to be you know the super serious character that you know, but he's so funny, man. He and the and whoever you know playing his voice does such a good job. Um, so he's definitely out of the remaining character he, characters. He's my favorite, um, just because he's so deadpan and doesn't understand human character, you know, uh, human traits. Um, but, uh, the other two are, you know, are, are interesting characters in my opinion. Um, opening pickle jars and, uh, having, (laughs) (laughs) giving birth when you're, he sits on an egg the entire episode to, 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 (laughs) to give birth to his child. Um, so I think they do it well. Like I said, uh, Worf and Data from uh, uh, <laughs> the Next Generation is basically are who they are, but they've given yeah. them most. You know, that's who they're patterned after. But they've mm-hmm. given them their own characters. You know, their own uh, traits. Their own. You know, uh, they're their own people. Their own characters. Um, so you can. You know, it's definitely a, an homage to Star Trek. And, you know, the Next Generation more more so than the older series. But um, but they take the characters that you you know that you see in those are in that show, and they you know they've they've made them their own basically. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I, but my favorite has got to be Isaac. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna jump in here and say the same thing. I for the longest time, I swear, I was like, I, th- that is being voiced by Brent Spiner. I don't know why. If it was just because yeah. I correlated the character with Data that much that I wanted him to voice this guy. It was not the case, though. Uh, Mark Jackson, apparently, is the guy's name. But regardless, he is the, uh, he is the, the Spock slash Data slash Isaac. I mean, that's what you see. You see these emotionless characters. Uh, but the way that they portray him and put him into some of the most comedic situations, I think one of my favorite Spock moments of all time in Star Trek history is probably from Star Trek four, where he's dressed up like a hippie and he's, you know, they went back in time and he's portray something that is totally and almost the opposite of logic. Okay. Him put in that situation. There are so many funny moments that happen because and it's not too many throughout that movie but regardless just because he's this he's got to stay in check and he's he's the composed logical guy um that gives a great spin on how they can play some of the humor in this show uh so it you look at this cast and you can clearly draw lines to the TNG cast. That's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, Ronnie. The, they have, they can do a lot more than what they did. And I think the, some of the most appreciative points of this series is the fact that there are moments where I can laugh. And that is, that's very evident. You didn't get that much in Star Trek, the next generation. You weren't, no, yeah. you weren't, you weren't waiting for, you know, every once in a while you had a moment where you could kind of giggle or maybe grin, but outright LOLing, 
Okay, I did that many times throughout this this series, and I think a lot of it was because of Isaac. <laughs> I think yeah. that was a lot of the situations that he was in, and for an emotionless character, they did give him a lot of depth. I mean, he he is like probably one of the not the central character of that final episode of the season, but he, by God, without him, there wouldn't be much uh, to tell. Be able, they wouldn't be able to tell that tale the way that they did, and. Um, Mad, mad idolatry. So, uh, yeah, right. the other two are fine. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to. I'm fun. not going to go on them. I'm not. Yeah, I won't go very long. But I, I appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, Commander Bortus and Lieutenant Alara. Uh, again, they each got their chance to shine in, in a few of these episodes. And this whole season was just giving you a backstory on these on, on each one of these characters. Uh, or at least developing each one of these characters, which was pretty cool. So, uh, Mark, let me uh, let me say this: I was slow to fall in love with most of these characters. To be honest with you, none of them really jumped out at me as like, like, oh wow, it's gonna be what a treat to watch you. Um, I, Seth MacFarlane was and Adrian Palicki uh, were about the only two I was you know drawn to without knowing really anything about them. One, because I, I find Seth MacFarlane to be very talented, and I find Adrian Palicki to be hot as hell. Uh, so, hubba hubba. Um, <laughs> I'm expecting a bunch of angry, nasty women to just come marching into my house. Just as vaginas, shaking fists at me. Um, but <laughs> what? <laughs> Not what I expected. <laughs> anyway, I watch a lot of the anti-Trump stuff. Um, okay. In any case, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but I, I fell in love with the Bordis character the more they did with him, just because some of his stuff is so deadpan. It really cracked oh, me yeah. up. Like, like when he's sitting yeah. on the egg and they like he, they like burst into his room and he's just like he's like mortified, but he's not <laughs> particularly emotional. <laughs> Excuse right. me. I'm sitting on my egg. <laughs> I laugh my ass off at that. Stuff like that's really funny. Um, the the one who plays Alara, she's fine. Um, she's still by the end of it, she still didn't really do much for me. When they focused on her, I didn't have like that Meg reaction, you know, like oh god, it's a Meg episode. Um, but you know, I, I thought she was. She was the Meg of the show. <laughs> yeah, she really is. Um, but she was the least interesting of them all, and yeah. The stuff they do with um, with Isaac is hysterical, especially how they use him in the, in the season finale. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, and, and these are going to come right from the wiki. Um, and I just a couple of let, let's spend a couple of minutes each on uh, each of these uh, episodes. I don't want to spend too long on them because we, because I've only set the show for 90 minutes. I think that's good enough for this for the Orville. So let's kind of whip through these. We'll just talk about some of our, our favorite moments, you know, something that spoke to us, some, you know, or if you didn't like it, something you, you know, whatever it was you were not thrilled with. Uh, this first episode is directed by Jean Favreau of uh, Iron Man fame and Chef fame. Um, it's our pilot. It's, uh, it's the 25th century. Uh, Starfleet is called the Union in this particular case. Uh, Ed Mercer divorces his wife, Kelly Grayson, after catching her cheating on him, as we said before. A year later, he accepts the position as captain of the Yorville, a mid-level research vessel, and learns to his dismay that the wife is his assigned first officer. During the Orville's first mission, the hostile alien Krill captain attempts to steal a device that accelerates time. 
which, bo- which is, has both beneficial and dangerous applications. Mercer and Grayson regular the device to destroy itself in the Krill vessel. Um, real quick, I barely remember. The, the stuff that I remember about this is how it begins, you know, him walking in on them, um, the, the warning of this is your opportunity to pull yourself together and, you know, and, and this is your second chance. Don't blow it. The, the conflict between him and the wife, the stuff with the krill left no impression on me. I basically go, okay, here are Klingons for the season. Um, yeah. Later, later <laughs> on, they'll do a better episode with the krill that, that's more interesting. But this one, it's just like, well, we got to give the people something. You know, it can't just be all talking and relationships. And always said, Seth MacFarlane said, here's another cartoon show. Um, so, but, but honestly, it was, it was the non-krill stuff that was in any way meaningful to me. Jesse? Great introduction to most of our characters. That's kind of all we get here. Very, not very memorable. <laughs> not very memorable. Uh, but, I mean, hey, we, we do get our introduction to one of my favorite uh, third stringers, I guess we would say, on this, uh, on this show. And that's when Captain Mercer is running through the hallway and steps in uh, old slime, old slime guy, whatever, whoever Norm MacDonald uh, – voices in this it's just basically a ball of yeah a big yeah <laughs> yes yeah a huge ball of phlegm basically a sentient ball of phlegm <laughs> just kind of slimes his way through the ship um but yeah I, I mean what do we got here we got we, we did get some great visuals this this show this first episode set the tone and letting you see the great visuals that they were going to put forth throughout the rest of the season. Introduction to our characters. Here's your, your villain, take them or leave them. And Oh yeah, there's going to be some conflict on the bridge. Cause we got two X, two, two X lovers who are now uh, captain and first officer. Uh, oh boy, take it or leave it. Ladies and gentlemen, I think I was still on the fence after watching this first episode as to whether I was going to enjoy this or not. I'm done talking, Ronnie. (laughs) You would think we've never done a podcast together. (laughs) Go, Ronnie. Oh, it's my oh, it's my turn. Yeah, Um, that's uh, Jesus. I have to chew you up (laughs) twice. Damn, man. Are we sleepy people? Do we we need to end this? No, I'm sitting here. Getting my, I'm getting my thoughts together um, real quick. Um, the first episode took me by such surprise um, how good it was that I actually was really looking forward to the next one. That, you know, um, it, it, was, it was so unexpected um, that it was going to be that good um, for me that I was like, wow, I really honestly cannot wait you know, for the next episode. Um, as far as the characters go, uh, like I said, you can make the correlation between, you know, certain characters and, and you know, next generation characters. But at that point, I, I don't really care because, like I said, I really enjoyed it. And and I was looking forward to the next episode. And, um, it, I mean, as far as that goes, I don't think it really matters, you know, whether some of the characters are strong or not. To me. Uh, episode, 
Episode 2, the technologically advanced Calavon imprisoned Mercer and Grayson in a replica of their former home as a zoo exhibit. Alara is left in command of the yeah, Orville that was as, as Bordis has laid an egg and must incubate it. Alara is unsure of herself, but gains confidence with the help of Claire's mentorship. Mercer and Grayson wonder if they could have made their relationship work, but finally conclude they were never compatible for a long-term romantic relationship. Despite their strong camaraderie, uh, Admiral Tucker orders Alara to return to Earth instead of approaching the powerful Calavon. Alara violates his orders and rescues Mercer and Grayson along with an alien child by training an archive Earth's reality television for them. Mercer presents Alara with a Medal of Honor and believes he and Grayson can prevent her from being punished for insubordination. A female offspring hatches from Bordis's egg, stunning him and Clyden as Mocklin females are extremely rare. Uh, I thought this this was sort of a halvesies episode for me. The stuff with Alara, meh. Uh, the stuff with Mercer and Grayson in the zoo exhibit, and then later on with <laughs> when 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 Alara shows up with Isaac, and and the guy turns to Isaac is like, "Why did you bring your pet with you?" <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was that was great. I I laughed pretty hard at that. Um, but I I enjoyed. Again, some of the best stuff on this show really is the relationship stuff between the characters, uh, because I, I think you know, the, the, the tendency with sci-fi is to focus on, on the science fiction and, and less on the drama, uh, which I think sometimes takes away from it. This was very much about could these two people, um, and what I'm saying is this was relatable, could these two people... Uh, coexist together, not just as uh, commander and subordinate, but as husband and wife, as boyfriend and girlfriend. All of that stuff I liked, you know. And it, it was definitely a slower episode for that, you know. But it, but it had to be to to really give you a taste of all of that. I enjoyed it, uh, Ronnie. I'll let you go. Um, Ronnie, do you have your thoughts uh, together? Are you are you able to communicate with us, Ronnie? Tommy, <laughs> can you hear me? I'm done talking. <laughs> no. Um I like I like the chemistry that uh that Seth MacFarlane and um Adrian have um as far as I can still see them as as uh, being together but you know the whole history between the two and the fact of where they are now won't allow them to be, which gives it a, a still gives it that will they won't they dynamic, but it's it adds a little extra layer to it. So I appreciate that. Um, what what just did you want just final thoughts on the entire show or? Ronnie's been paying attention. He, we're we're just on episode two, Ronnie. It's all good. Well. Uh... <laughs> Save those for well, later, like, man. Oh, I'm going to end this soon. Um, <laughs> I got your back, homie. Just, just, just episode two, right, Mark? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. Because I could have possibly I just not don't been know where you're going with it. It's <laughs> <laughs> very, it's very complicated. We're talking about the episodes in sequential order. Sequential order. Um, don't hang. I don't up, know Ronnie. what that word. I swear, we love you, man. <laughs> Hot donuts. All right, catch that oh, February fifth. Um, <laughs> so okay, uh, just real quick. Uh, again, 
I can see how you guys even liked the character of Adrian Palicki. Palicki? 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 Alan Palicki? What's her name? Uh, let's go with Commander Kelly Grayson. <laughs> uh, Commander, I, 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 I did not. Let's call her Commander Hot Donuts. I'll do, I could gladly call her that. that. Was... <laughs> well, that fits almost. But I could not forgive her for what she did. And I was so mad. Maybe that's my problem with that whole relationship, will they, won't they thing. Because what she did to poor Captain Ed Mercer, and then he has to sit there and deal with that. That would never, ever, it never leave my mind. Every time I'd look at her, then for her to be my first officer, and then all of a sudden now they're captured and put on a zoo, and they have to live in this tiny, these tiny little quarters together. And, and I'm like, oh, please, please, if they end up getting back together after this episode, I am going to be, this show has got negative one, negative one point. Uh, whatever scale I'm using. What do you think of that? But still, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> what, I was kind of, again, okay. I was on the fence. This episode didn't help much, but it was still interesting enough because of the situation that they were in. How are they going to get out of this? And, and uh, it was, it was pretty cool. The, the relationship, uh, I just, I just couldn't take it. Moving on. About episode a girl. Three. Okay, so this is like one of the heaviest episodes of the entire yes. season. This is probably the most. This is probably the most controversial. I think it, it's coming along at the right time because you know transgender is certainly in the news. There are people who have a real issue with with the existence of transgender people, um, the acceptance of them, and this is not the time or the place to get into the politics of all of that. It's just to say, this is one of those episodes that really that really comments on an issue that's happening right now. That's, that's in, you know, is it, is it affecting you individually? Probably not. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but probably not. It, it can't, I can't imagine it affects that many people uh, in the grand scheme of things, but the culture at large, it certainly does. Um, and I was really interested in their take on, on transgenderism in a show that's supposed to be, you know, a parody of Star Trek. So here we go. When Dr. Finn refuses Bordis and Clyden's request to have their daughter undergo sex reassignment surgery, which is standard practice from Mocklin's on the very rare occasion when a female is born, the parents petition Mercer to order the procedure. Mercer refuses as he and the rest of the crew object to performing a procedure on a healthy infant. So Bordis and Clyden arrange to have the procedure performed on a Mocklin vessel. Gordon and John change Bordis's mind by showing him uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer but Clyden still wants to proceed, revealing that he was born female. The case is arbitrated on the Mocklin planet, Mocklis, where Grayson represents Bordis. She casts doubt on the idea of male superiority by demonstrating that Alara is physically strong and Gordon is stupid. Mercer locates a female Mocklin of advanced <laughs> years. <laughs> Avina, who testifies that she lived a happy and fulfilling life in seclusion and reveals that under the pseudonym Gondis Eldon, she has become an esteemed novelist on Mockless. But Clyden and the tribunal are unconvinced, and the baby undergoes the surgery. Despite their disagreement, Bordis and Clyden are committed to one another and to giving their son Topa a good life. Um, so really quick, I was more into the political elements of this story than, than uh, anything else. And I, I did think it had asked an ethical question 
Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of something. My, my wife and I very early on in our relationship got into a heated debate about uh, child prostitution in Thailand. And you're like, what's there to debate about? Well, here's the thing. Uh, both of us agreed that child prostitution is bad. All right. That's a pretty safe assumption. Um, okay. However, she, what her point was, you know, to us, it's bad. And, to, uh, and we wouldn't do it. Obviously we would not take part, but uh, you can't judge the people of Thailand. That's part of their culture. I've heard the same argument about clitoral mutilation in Africa. Where we're like, well, that's part of the culture. You can't judge them. You know, so we're not asking you to do it, but that's what they do. And what, you know, and what they do is just, you know, is okay in, in, in their own culture. That's what they've accepted. And I'm one of these people who's like, no, bad is bad. Bad is bad no matter, you know, if it's your culture, my culture, his culture. Um, I'm, I'm saying that there's, a, that there's a distinctive line. These things are good. These things are bad. And, you know, they, they, there's no such thing as moral re- relativity, and there would be people who would who would argue against me, um, very eloquently argue it against me that moral relativism does exist, is a thing, and uh, one should not be so judgmental. Not asking you guys to take a to take a side in those arguments. I'm saying that's what's happening in this episode. We're talking about sexual reassignment surgery on an infant in a culture where that's normal. And it's judged by folks outside of that culture who said it's not normal and it's not good and shouldn't happen. And at the end, I, and I thought it was a very brave choice for the writers of the episode to say, no, it's going to happen. And, you know, that's the side of the argument we're going to at least present on this show. And we're going to present it in a way that doesn't make, that doesn't make the Mocklin race or Bordis or Clyden look particularly evil. It's just that's what that culture does. Um, I, I, I thought it, it does what I think TV should do at times is it does make you question and maybe you don't change your viewpoint necessarily, but it, it, I thought it asked pertinent and interesting questions, uh, that maybe don't have a, 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 a great answer or a more defined answer. Jesse. Yeah, this is the episode that hooked me where I was like, okay, I'm, if we get more episodes like this where my beliefs or my, my way of critical thinking is questioned, I'm, I'm in it for the ride because these are things that I like to see happen in a television show where they will make you or give you one side of a, 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 a different side of culture that you weren't used to or maybe make you ask yourself well, why am i why why am i looking at this uh, at these cultural practices a certain way um and yeah not to get into the whole political debate in any way it's a great way for them to this show th- this show right here had so many layers on it yeah you have the transgenderism issue you also have the culture issue uh you you know (laughs) i'm looking at i'm looking at uh uh our uh adrian palicki's uh one of the things where she's sitting there and she's looking at bordas and she says condition so to you people being a woman so, so to you people being a woman is like having chronic diarrhea hey doc i'm not feeling well i've had the tits all day (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, first off, that's a great way of stating, uh, pointing out how we see what we may see uh, someone else, someone else's serious cultural belief uh, as as something that is is just an affront to our own. Um, but also, it's also a great way that just in that particular. Uh, that particular, those particular quotes there, it, it's a great way to add some humor to it as well. But if you remember correctly, this is one of the least, uh, the least laughed at episodes. Or I should say, there there wasn't much humor in this one as as, as the rest of the series, in my opinion, or at least the rest of the season. There may be one other episode that might be as heavy handed, but again, uh, I was in for the ride, Ronnie. Um, this one was a tough one for me. <laughs> um, I definitely had wait, wait, views. wait, color me shocked. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I definitely have my own views on, on a lot of different subjects that they do bring up. Um, they are, they are shared by some and, and hated by others. I'll, I'll, I'll just go that far. Um, but it is good to see a side of an argument, you know, that I may not agree with in a non-argumentative way. Mm. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, let's move on. And certainly don't want to belabor the point here, especially with the clock ticking down as it is. If the stars should appear, the Orville encounters an immense 2000 year old derelict ship, uh, drifting into a star. Mercer, Grayson, Catan, Finn, and Isaac enter, discovering an artificial biosphere, uh, and Pauly Shore. No, just kidding. And a civili- in a civilization <laughs> of, of three million yep. people. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me turn the channel immediately. <laughs> yeah, if Pauly Shore would have showed up on here, oh boy, negative one. <laughs> and this would have been a very different show. <laughs> <laughs> an artificial biosphere and a civilization of three million who worship an entity called Doral and do not know they are on a ship. Grayson is held prisoner by their theocratic dictator Hamalak, who imposes a death penalty on reformers who believe anything exists beyond the known world. While Boris takes the Orville to save a colony ship from a krill attack, Grayson's crewmates rescue her and lead a group of reformers to the alien ship's bridge. An ancient recording from Captain Jahavis Doral, played by Liam Neeson, reveals that it was a generation ship disabled by an ion storm. Isaac initiates repairs and opens the hull's window, enabling the populace to see the stars for the first time. Moving even Hamalak. Mercer makes our arrangements for the Union to train the people to operate the ship. Meanwhile, Clyden is frustrated that Bordas' duties leave him little time for family. So I remember a little bit about this episode. What I actually remember the most is Clyden and Bordas arguing about, you know, them not having relations and, you know, and the effect that a baby has on them. Because, boy, if I related to anything in this episode, it was that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Boy, Clyden, are you singing my song? Um, (laughs) Bordas, why don't you ever take me to the club, Bordas? (laughs) Shut up, Clyden. He's fixing his bow tie. This is an I Love Lucy <laughs> reference. Um, <laughs> Jesse? Uh, this is your 
I think this is your uh, your prime directive episode, or at least the first one uh, that we that we get in this episode. Where if you guys are familiar with Star Trek, you'll know about the prime directive. You know, you can't let a uh, you can't let a culture know that you're out there. And it seemed like they played with those themes here by by saying, okay, well, you know, we have this civilization is doomed, but the only way that we can really save them is by showing them that, you know, there's, there's stars out there that they are, they are part of something that's a lot, a lot bigger than they understand. Cause most of the, that society had completely forgotten about what came before them, that they were on a starship. Uh, and, and I thought that was pretty interesting. It was, it was a good episode all around. I, I liked it. Uh, again, it was, it was Liam Neeson, wasn't it? Liam Neeson showed yep. up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Plus Liam one, Neeson Ronnie every- Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson is everywhere. Everywhere. Um, you can't really, I mean, like, Seth MacFarlane has his people, just like, you know, any director does. Um, or any, you know, not director, but any producer, whatever. I mean, you look at Kevin Smith, he's definitely got his people. You know, Jason Mewes and, and Affleck and a few others. Um so it was really cool to see Liam Neeson pop up. Um, later on, we see you know a couple other of his people pop up, uh, his friends, and uh, in these you know so that just you know it gives a little something extra um, seeing Neeson pop up. Uh, overall, it was uh, it was it was a good episode for me. Okay. I'll just keep that one short. Priya, this one stars another one of his people. This one's got uh, the Hotsi Totsi. Good old, um, oh, damn it, Ato- the atomic blonde herself, Charlize Theron. Uh, the Orville <laughs> yeah. comes to the rescue of a mining ship. Grayson is suspicious of their new guest, Priya um, Triple H Levesque, and uh, to whom Mercer is clearly attracted. Grayson's concerns are shown to have merit when Priya is discovered to be a time-traveling artifact dealer from the 29th century. Priya claims to have rescued the Orville from a dark matter storm that would have killed them all, mainly so she could sell the ship to an artifact buyer in her own time. She gains control of the ship with an advanced technology device, and their attempt to disable it knocks Isaac out. They travel to the future through a wormhole, but Isaac, whose mind was transferred to the ship's computer while trying to counterhack Priya's control of the Orville, manages to recover control of the ship, and they return to their time. They shot the wormhole to close it, and Priya disappears. Meanwhile, Malloy's attempt to teach Isaac the concept of practical jokes backfires <laughs> when Isaac anesthetizes yeah. Malloy and takes his leg, forcing Dr. Finn to regenerate it. But uh, Malloy I'm, later confirms that it was a good joke. I'm at a, I'm at a point, I'm just scrolling down through these, uh, you know, my TV app stuff, and I'm at a point where they're confronting Priya in, like, some quarters, and they're just kind of standing there, and then all of a sudden, out of the ceiling drops uh, his leg... <laughs> Because he hit it, he hit the leg in the ceiling. <laughs> it just drops down onto the table. Oh man, yeah. hilarious! Um, uh, this one's this one's fine. This one I don't think said anything especially interesting. I mean, there was a metaphysical debate of if I stopped you all from dying, what what you know, what difference does it make? Go go live a good life in this time. You'd all be dead now anyway. So this is your second chance. And the, you know, and they're like, no, that. That's not an argument that flies with us. We 
we have a right to live the life that we started off with, not the one that you decided we should have, you know, instead of death. Um, okay. I, I, I suppose I side with the good guys on that one. Um, but other than that, it was whatever. It was, a, it was a, this was the more, this was one of the more science fiction fantasy type episodes uh, with not a whole lot else to say, and, you know, and, and this series does that at times. So I don't, have a whole uh, other than Charlize Theron is way hot. I don't have a whole lot else to add. Ah, <laughs> uh, time travel. Uh, you throw that in. You know, I'm hooked. Uh, I'll definitely be watching the episode if it has that plot uh, element to it. Jesse's, so, you Jesse's that, watching this one. One hand. That one. I was going to say Jesse's. Jesse's watching this episode. One hand on his crotch and no pants. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his time travel. Oh, you know, another aspect in this one. There was a little bit more. I would say fleshing out of the relationship between Mercer and Grayson here, uh, because it's Mercer was just like you said, really attracted to Charlize Theron, who wasn't going to be, you know, her character. Uh, and that really kind of put some, you know, commander Grayson did not like that very well at all. Uh, she, she had, uh, she had an issue with that. So you could tell there was a little bit of jealousy. Um, and, there's a point where I think she gets quite upset with him because she uh, Priya mentions that he had, uh, she had, she had cheated on him and she looked right at, at Mercer and was like, you told her. Uh, so there, there was a, a bit more fleshing out of the relationship aspect between the two. And that was kind of like maybe the vehicle. And then you know, they wrap time travel all around it, which you got to keep the sci-fi nerds happy and you got to keep the drama romance nerds happy as well so ronnie adams um yeah another one another one of those episodes that didn't really say a whole lot um other than the fact that i knew that you would love it because it was oh yeah you guys said travel. you sent me a message you were like they just introduced time travel i'm like which uh which one which one is it so yeah 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 the one with Charlie Charlie Theron, so we know you're really going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was actually directed by Jonathan Frakes, who is Commander Riker in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Make it so, number Did one. Did not know that. Yes. All right, there are, there episode... are quite a few TNG ties, by the way. If you guys haven't looked this up, there's also a guy by the name of Brandon Braga, uh, who has a lot of. Uh, TNG to his to his resume as well, and he's he's all over this series. Yeah, he's directed a bunch of episodes. Um, Krill, after recovering a Krill shuttle intact, Mercer and Malloy are ordered to pose as Krill soldiers in order to board one of their vessels to get a copy of the Ankana, a sacred religious text. They are forced to change priorities when they learn that the Krill plan to detonate a powerful bomb over a remote Union colony. Rather than destroy the bomb and therefore the ship, they exploit the Krill's natural weakness to sunlight to eliminate all the crew members with the exception of a classroom full of children and their teacher, Talia, who warns Mercer that his actions will only reinforce the Krill's hatred for the union. Um, again, this was, this was a fun sci-fi episode. I, the only relevant part to culture I thought was in this was at the very end when she, when, you know, Mercer's point of view on this is I saved those children, those innocent children. And she said, those innocent children will hate you and will grow up to want to murder you. And I was like, you know, it, it goes to that, you know, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist kind of thing. 
Um, I reference this all the time because Winfrey and I talk about it all the time. But, you know, the best villains are the ones who believe they're in the right. They're absolutely doing the right mm-hmm. thing. You know, and the Krill are a society uh, who are in opposition to the Union, but not because they're inherently evil. They're just, you know, they are what they are. And they're doing what they think needs to be done. And the fact that he spared a bunch of children, as she puts it, you only created a bunch of soldiers. And, I, and, and boy, if that doesn't bring up Iraq and the Middle East, you know, like we liberated your country and created a nation of terrorists in the process. Good job. Um, they, they don't see you as liberators. Is one, is certainly one argument that is made. Uh, yeah, I have definitely he- heard that uh, bandied about. So um, I thought that's where our, you know, our link to current culture comes from in this episode. I thought it was fine. I thought it was well done. I don't have anything else to add to that. Jesse? Uh, a good exploration of the Krill and who they are as an enemy and a nemesis for the Union. So, uh, and, and not much more than that. Ronnie? Same thing. Uh not much, you know, not much else other than, you know, um, definitely explain, you know, explain who the Krill are. Um, it was a well-done episode. I really enjoyed it. All right. Here's our Black Mirror episode. Majority rule. An undercover team <laughs> led by Grayson lands on Saugus 4, an Earth-like planet with a culture similar to that of 21st century human civilization, to locate two missing anthropologists. There, Lamar is arrested for humping a video, uh, for humping a statue, um, <laughs> which receives more than a million downvotes and must convince the public to pardon him or be subjected to treatment for his actions. Alara and Claire locate one of the missing, but find him in an irreversible lobotomized state, with Lamar facing a final vote to determine his guilt. Mercer brings one of the planet's inhabitants, Lucilla, aboard the Orville and learns about the master feed which Isaac is able to hack and upload doctored images of John, narrowly swinging the vote in his favor. Now free, John and the others return to the ship and depart. The next day, Lucilla decides against taking part in a public vote. Um, so the moral of the story is we're all morons. Just end your Facebook uh, account. <laughs> Just get off Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. We have taken a hard left into the abyss. Um, by following the signs that say this way to the social media, you fucking retards. That was what I got out of this episode, Jesse. I, I will I will give you a quote here from this show that really gives you a great example. Uh, it summarizes the show and it gives you a great example of some of the writing that's in here. All right. So Mercer says, "How do you know?" She's he's asking one of the residents of this world. He goes, how do you know what foods are healthiest for your children or what medicine to take if you're sick? And she looks at him and says, we vote. And then Isaac pops in and says, I believe you are confusing opinion with knowledge. Yes, <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> if, that, if that is not something that you see every day that, on social media. That will preach. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Ronnie Adams. I've said it a million times. I hate social media. <laughs> I hate it. Um, I like it I'd to like the to, point of what I would like to remind people that at this for. time, this, the Screaming Boy podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tinder. Stay tuned for plugs. 
<laughs> We're not on Tinder. <laughs> grinder. Is it on the grinder? No, not grinder. <laughs> I was making Yvonne. You had to take it to be grinder. Yvonne. Uh, Screaming boy is on the grinder. We're on, <laughs> on JJ. Uh, farmers uh, only. And black people meet. Farm, uh, farmers only. <laughs> Plenty of fish. <laughs> Plenty of fish. Christian Mingle. Um, so. I like I I love social media used for what it's supposed to be used for. I keep in contact with friends and family that don't live around me. I I, I don't have any family that live in North Carolina. They all live in West Virginia and Ohio. Um, So I I use it for that, and um, so I do like it for that. I use it for this, you know, for my podcast. I think it's it's good advertisement for that. You know, we've done live we've gone live uh on Instagram and on uh uh Facebook, you know, with with a couple of the comic book conventions that we were at or I was at. And um I, I think it can be it's a it's a an amazing tool. But people have taken this tool and they have perverted it. Just like in, in the show, not to that extreme. But it's gone from there is a difference between knowledge. Uh, what was the, the quote again? Uh, th- there's a difference between you are confusing opinion with knowledge. Is what he said. Opinion with knowledge. Yep. Um, a lot of people like to put their opinion out there as gospel truth, and the reason that it's gospel truth is because I, you know, I can share it with the world. I can share it with everybody, so it's got to be true. You know, or I saw it on, I synced it on the Facebook, so it's got to be right. You know, um, <laughs> social media should do? be used as Who a, are you doing an impression of? Huh? Who are you doing an impression of, Ronnie? America. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it, you know, to be honest with you, as bleak as it sounds, I don't see our society far off from what that, from what that, um, that show depicted. Because when the government is making up hashtags for no. the government shutdown that we just had, <sighs> too far. Don't worry about you know you're paying somebody to think up ridiculous hashtags when you should be. You know, paying somebody to solve the problems that you're having that causes our government to shut down. Social media shouldn't be anything. I don't care whether you like him, whether you love him or hate him. Our current president needs to get the phone out of his hand and get off the web. <laughs> so, Social media makes people feel more important than what they really are. Don't get me wrong. I think people are important. I love people. I, I'm a people person. I think that everybody has an opinion and and, and, um, and that your opinion matters. But it's not as important as you think it is. It is not the end-all, be-all of opinion That's the truth. or truth. That's the truth. I, I conducted a social media experiment last uh, – it was last year where I said, hey, if you read this, yeah. like this. And of the 200 to 300 people that I consider my friends on social media, like less than 10% – Liked it, so yeah, I'm yeah, not going to respond to any of those. <laughs> um, okay, so Enzo yeah. Enzo Amore, who is oh, a boy. wrestler, oh, uh, for the WWE, yeah. um, is a certified G, and you Heard can't teach that. that. 
Um, he also was fired for allegedly raping a woman. So mm. here's the relevance. My wife said to me, she said, what do you think about the Enzo Amore thing? He got, uh, you know, he, he was fired and he's being accused of rape. And I said, uh, if he's guilty, I hope he's punished. If he's not, I hope he gets his job back. I don't know. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You, you should have went with bada bing, bada boom, realist rapist in the room. <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> Jesse, no. You're certified G, and you can't rape that. Um, oh, no. uh, boom. No. Far, gentlemen. Of the Screaming Boy podcast. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and for good measure, hang on. Wait a minute now. Oh no! Here comes the soundboard. They fly over. They fly over. <laughs> they do. They do. Anyway, um, but wow. Look, not not to put my not to put my wife's shit in the street or anything, um, but she there's that assumed guilt. It, it's all over Facebook, and they are and they all say the same thing. Enzo Amore fired uh, amid rape allegations, but the immediate. Uh, jump to he's guilty is what I'm drawing a big circle around. This is what we do. You know, we convict people before they ever get in front of a jury. You know, we just, we just they're just guilty. And the, the opposite is true, too. Um, black people are, have been forever tormented in this country for decades upon decades. Therefore, O.J. Simpson didn't kill a white woman. All right. I, you know, I, we, we, form opinions and put them forward as fact based on how we feel about a subject. It's, it's rare in, in the public conversation that we ever put forth uh, a judgment on something based on what the actual facts are. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be mm-hmm. living in a much different world if we did. It's part, of why I, it's part of why I don't watch a lot of cable news anymore because they can't, the people screaming at each other can't both be right. And they're both accusing yeah, the other right. one of not having the facts. It's like, all right, you, you can't both be, you, you, it, it, this can't possibly be right. So I've kind of given up listening. Um, I like the episode a lot. I thought, I, I thought it spoke uh, very plainly about our culture as it is right now. You know, people asked, and again, I'm not making a, I'm not drawing any kind of, um, I'm not commenting on whether or not this was a good or bad thing. It's not for me to say, but people ask like, how could Trump have been elected president? And I said, well, essentially he's the cultural equivalent of Ronald McDonald. And, you know, we, we, he's essentially just an icon, a, a, uh, a figurehead, an emblem. And it was, he was presented in a way that was appealing to people and they bought it, literally bought it. They bought it with their vote. They, they, they paid for it, got a receipt with their vote. Um, he was a product. And, it, and it's amazing to me in this country how we're willing to be sold just about anything if it's, you know, if it's sold the right way. It, you know, it, it's, whether or not you liked any of the alternatives out there, there were real alternatives to an empty suit. And we, by and large, elected the you know Ronald McDonald and I think Hashtag that episode Oprah Winfrey 2020 
Yeah. <laughs> or the out. Rock. <laughs> or the Rock. Rock is VP. Both of you, get out. <laughs> uh, into the fold, unless there's anything more you guys want to say about this. Uh, while traveling to a recreational planet in a shuttle, Isaac Finn and her sons, Marcus and Ty, fall into a spatial fold and crash on a planet devastated by famine and disease and populated by cannibals, like you do. Finn is separated from the... I mean, that's happened before. Ca- <laughs> ...captured by a survivalist named Drogon. While she works to escape, Isaac, who is unfamiliar with the care of human children, is forced to protect her sons while he tries to fix the shell's communication systems in order to send a distress signal. Ty becomes ill with the planet's indigenous disease. After Finn kills Drogon and reunites with the others, Isaac and Marcus hold off a large attack by the cannibals long enough for the Orville to rescue them. After Finn cures Ty's infection, Isaac tells her that for all the faults he sees in the children, he still thinks of them fondly. Uh, this was, you know, the, really the, one of the only episodes that focuses on the Doctor. Um, and it was fine. It was, again, it was very much nothing, nothing really said about the culture in this one other than the culture of parenting, uh, which is to say, your children stink and we love them anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's about it. I don't, you know, Jesse, your children stink, and, but you love them anyway. Go. <laughs> Speaking of children, I can hear them screaming upstairs right now. My wife is going to be pissed. Um, Dude, let- I have offered you the opportunity to beat your children on this podcast. Please, beat <laughs> yeah. your children on this podcast. I mean, good or bad, it's going to draw some attention. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Ratings. Uh, yeah. you hear that podcast where that dude beat the crap out of his kids? <laughs> There's the horse. And there's the horse. I guess uh, we need to stop beating the dead horse. Uh, what is happening? <laughs> Good old Motley. Uh, Why? I don't. <laughs> Welcome to the soundboard. The soundboard. Okay. Nickelback. Nickelback. There's something we agree on there. I, I would, I, I should, uh, tomorrow I should give a count as to what, it, how many are on the soundboard because that gives you an idea how many, how many more sound clips you can hear and possibly expect from Mark Radlich. I guarantee you it's probably another 20. It's a living, huh? You know, and, <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah, you don't want to have any of that. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, one. Holy crap, that is the soundboard. <laughs> I'm done. Oh my gosh. Ronnie Adams, did you know you get you may not appear on the Metal Hammer of Doom every Wednesday, but you do appear on the Metal Hammer but of I Doom. But I appear every Wednesday. on the Metal Hammer of Doom every Wednesday. <laughs> every Wednesday. Every Wednesday I start losing my mind halfway through the show. I'm like, gotta gotta press the button. Uh, all right. I, I think I uh, I talked. He does too. <laughs> Gotta press I the I, button. I talked about this episode earlier. It's it's probably it's close to one of my favorites, and it is one of the most polarizing when you actually look at it from a fan point of view. Because a lot of people didn't think this was this was a good episode for some reason. I don't know why, but there were there were plenty of moments in here 
plenty of character development for both Isaac and the Doctor. Uh, I was okay. I was all right with it. I liked it. Ronnie? Well, I, think, I think, one, it focuses on one of the least interesting characters of the bunch. I mean, the Doctor is, you know, she's well, she's not quite, you know, and she's a ninja, and she's, a, you know, she's, it's like, there's not, she's just an average person with above average talent. Whoopity do. Yeah. There's nothing, she's wanting to there's go on vacation. About her. Yeah, and she and like and that that's the thing. It's just like she's not really even in the episode all that much, other than trying to like break out of the cell she's in. Go ahead, Ronnie. I enjoyed it just for the sheer fact that um, Isaac was, you know, one of the forefront characters in it. Um, I, you know, I I like him, so um, seeing him being fleshed out and and having some some comedy to added to his role, I thought that was great. Yeah, you I don't know why people don't like it. Beating the kids, <laughs> Mark. Do we, have, do, do we need to talk to somebody about you? I mean, <laughs> uh, about your kids. There were a lot of people that were pulling for the Doctor and Isaac to get together after this episode too. Oh, uh, uh, that's uh, weird. I, I don't know. Sucky, sucky. Now, <laughs> I knew uh, Mark. Oh, uh, <laughs> Isaac, show us. Did you guys see the episode? It was. It was <laughs> It was. It was a. It wasn't in the regular episode. It was kind of like an. It was kind of like a snippet that was just on Hulu, where they were all sitting around at like the bar, and they were like, "Come on, Isaac, show us your dick. Come on, Isaac, show us that." <laughs> it's TV. The, that doesn't exist. It's in the special features, like right at you know, yeah. you get the Blu-ray. This the deleted scene. Right. Yeah, that doesn't all exist. Come on, Isaac, show us that dick. You got it. Let's see it, you alien robot, you. And Bordis kind of gets, uh, gets up. He's like, I will show you mine, and drops his pan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. How many more of these Every podcasts week. can I <laughs> Every How week. many more of these podcasts can I do that same routine? Uh, Let's count. Um, yeah. <laughs> we got no, Superman Red coming Sun back. Coming up. We got Superman Red Sun coming up on source material. Come on, oh comrade. Show us the PP. <laughs> I like uh, how you switched to PP. <laughs> what? What is happening? <laughs> Why do Russians say PP? Uh. uh. I, I have I have a I have a sneaking suspicion we will know what the Russian equivalent for penis is by the time Red Sun happens. Okay, just be prepared. It's most likely going to we will there expand is our no knowledge. preparation. <laughs> hey Ronnie, did you read up? No. No. I'd like to be surprised. Oh, you'll get surprised, sir. You'll be surprised. Yeah. Uh, Come the on, Mark. Go, next episode, I'm, damn it. Come on. No I'm more trying. PC talk. <laughs> no, no, no more of that super secret part of the episode happen. where they were like, come on, Isaac, show us that dick. Come on, Isaac. <laughs> the uh, Orville is, is dispatched to mediate talks between two alien species, the Navarians and the Brutians, who have been at centuries-old stalemate over which race lays proper claim over the planet Lepovius. Also assigned to this matter is Rob Lowe. Woohoo! Hubba hubba. 
the Rakepsian, yeah. whose affair it was crazy huh. a year ago, uh, ended her marriage to Mercer to scan an ancient artifact from the planet. Oh, come on. Rob Lowe's a handsome man. Um, for the planet oh, for I, DNA I, I, to reveal. It doesn't say any different. Okay, so what's the objection here? <laughs> did I? Did, what? I think Ronnie, I says, Ronnie is just. Ronnie was. Uh, Ronnie was surprised at uh, how much how enthusiastic you were about Rob Lowe. I think that's Rob all. Rob a very. Rob Lowe's a very handsome man. I would say he's as handsome as uh, Charlize Theron is pretty. And, and I look, look. Why don't be a sexist, Ronnie? Why can't we appreciate good-looking men on this podcast? I have a show. It's called the Screaming Boy Podcast. <laughs> we ain't I'm done yet. My plug now. <laughs> you cut it out. <laughs> you stay right there, Ronnie. Right where you are. Um, <laughs> to scan an ancient artifact from the planet for the DNA to reveal which species was the original inhabitant. Unbeknownst to this. To the crew, uh, Rob Lowe secretes a sex formo- uh, pheromone as part of his mating cycle, which affects the crew, resulting in trysts between Derulio and like Grayson. Like you do. Der- like you do. <laughs> Derulio and Merce. So, Mindy, put that on a t-shirt. Like you do. Um, and Finn and uh, Yasmith. <laughs> put it on a shirt. In- <laughs> put it on a shirt. This incapacitates the affected officers, resulting in the Navarian and Brutian delegates canceling their mediation and a full-scale battle in orbit around the planet. The crisis is resolved when Derulio and Alara expose the ambassadors to a modified version of the pheromone, resulting in a temporary infatuation that prompts a ceasefire. Ah, shit. They be Does fucking... it ever? Um, <laughs> DNA test results. <laughs> DNA test results from the artifact reveal the planet's inhabitants were common ancestors to both species, legitimizing a mutual claim to the planet. When Grayson asked Derulio if he was in the heat a year ago, he only answers, maybe. So this was the conversation we were having earlier about, uh, was it sex rape or wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, if you're not fully in consent, you see, this is why you can't fuck animals, because they can't give consent. This is why you can't have sex with children. Oh, yeah, that's the only reason. (laughs) Well, that's the moral reason, yes. Um, No, the moral reason would be they're animals. (laughs) Okay, that too. God! (laughs) All right. Why do I have to explain these things? <laughs> I'm saying, from a metaphysical standpoint. Um, Meta- there are people okay, who ahead. would argue. There would be people who would argue differently. By the way, they they make they make, they, make <laughs> they make eloquent arguments as to why it's okay. And the delineating factor between the two is animals cannot give consent. Uh, same, you know, obviously the same thing with children and not of an age where, where consent is possible. So this is kind of, when you start breaking things down to, uh, you know, least common denominators, this is what keeps, this is what we keep coming back to, whether, you know, whether or not there's consent. And if you have a being that's exerting a pheromone that makes you behave differently than you normally would, you're not really in the right mind to give consent. And therefore, is it? 
see, this is where it gets tricky. You, you, you understand what I'm saying, Jesse? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Why, why I yeah. struggle with this episode? Yeah, this right here, you mentioned that it was left pretty ambiguous. What was the word? A- a- ambiguous. How's that? Ambiguously. Not, not, yeah, something like that. Yeah, they didn't spell it out, which, again, leaves the question in your mind. I, I dumb it down for myself, okay? Uh, they leave the question in your mind as to whether, you know, did she make that decision on her own, which I think has more implications. I, I could give a, you know, I, I wasn't really too concerned about Rob Lowe and, you know, potentially, I mean, it, it's a horrible thing to think about, but potentially raping her. But I, I was more along the lines of, okay, how is this going to resolve or do anything for the relationship between Mercer and Grace and themselves. Uh, are we, and they just kind of leave that up to like, well, I, you know, I think maybe I can't remember his exact words, but he does not explicitly say, yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, I was, I was exer- uh, exerting the fear mode at that point in time. No, they, they leave it up to question. So that way it also leaves the audience a back door into getting on Commander Grayson's side because at that point in time you have you have the excuse to say okay well I don't think that she made that decision on her own therefore these two have a chance Mercer and Grayson now have a chance um, that was more what I got out of it Ronnie uh, I agree with you Jesse um, it was it's left up in the air just to you you can't have some you can't have him come out and say yes I, I I did yes because then you come across the whole um, well that's wrong that's rape yeah um, and then you can't you can't have him come out and say no I didn't um, because that leaves her a piece of crap <laughs> then she's a whore that that, that cheated on him you know. Yep. And then she's a completely unlikable character at that point. I don't care who it is. She is awful. I mean, she's completely unlikable, and you don't want them to get together, period. Because his character is such a likable character that you don't want him to be with that, you know, somebody that's going to do him like that. Agreed. I'm uh, done talking. <laughs> Do we want to go back to how, why we're not supposed to have sex with animals? Do we feel like that got covered really well? What time is it? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> no. Mark. Why is it even a question? <laughs> we live in interesting times, Ronnie Adams, and, you know, oh, boy. people have opinions. I'm just sharing what those opinions are. They're and... wrong. Their opinions oh. are wrong. Okay. I, am I once again confusing opinions with facts? No. <laughs> exactly. Yes. At this point, you are. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, firestorm. When Lieutenant Payne is trapped beneath debris... During a plasma storm, Alara's pyrophobia causes her to hesitate after he dies. She blames herself. 
Mercer declines her resignation and suggests she discover the cause of her pyrophobia. Uh, she learns from her parents, who are Robert Picardo and Molly Hagen, that as an infant, her mother fell asleep cradling her when a fire broke out in the kitchen. Bees don't burn in the kitchen! Alaris cries no, woke her up <laughs> just in time to save them both. Soon the Orville encounters strange phenomena, including uh, including it, a giant spider that eats Malloy. Can I just say, that clown was terrifying. <laughs> Murderous versions of Finn and Isaac. It is revealed that Alara is in the holographic simulator in a program she ordered Isaac to create to simulate any other potential fear she may have. And having Finn erase her short-term memory of having made the request to ensure an authentic reaction to the program. She completes the program, after which Mercer threatens to court-martial her for invoking Directive 38, uh, allowing the chief of security to override the captain's clearance so that no one could abort the simulation early, but decides to let Lara off easy, saying he was impressed by her ability to overcome every obstacle. Um, I'm not really into... Uh, I, I said the same thing when we talked about this in Black Mirror, and it's really funny that how, how many of these episodes resemble episodes from Black Mirror. Um, there, there definitely seems to be some themes running in Hollywood that, you know, that, that writers feel a need to tackle. But the idea of being in a virtual reality world and not knowing you're in one and having to react to weird shit happening to you, I just, I'm not into it. I don't relate to it. Um, I understand the relatability in terms of these modern times and that being a thing. But uh, it doesn't appeal to me. Jesse? This feels like, okay, they, they had kind of a first season mapped out. Now, when they, when they put this out there, they don't know if they're going to be renewed for a second season. Uh, so there's probably a lot of beats that they want to hit, maybe a, a lot of themes that they want to hit as well. Uh, so this was their chance to kind of dive into the Alara character and give us a horror-themed episode as well, because there's a lot of creepy shit that happens in this episode. Um, and I, I kind of, that felt kind of on the nose for me, like, okay, this is, this is the avenue, avenue that they're going. And yeah, the, the, the parallels to Black Mirror uh, are, are pretty evident here. Uh, but again, what I liked about it is it, had me guessing uh, it had me guessing at the beginning I think I figured it out w- way before they did but regardless I was still guessing like holy crap what is going on why can everybody see this why why are these things why, why is this craziness going on um, and then at the end you know we get our resolution where we, we find out it's all a simulation uh, it sounds pretty it, it's kind of stock nowadays for, for that to be the the answer or the the, the ending of an episode but Still, I had a fun time watching it. Ronnie? Yeah, I, I... It was... It felt like almost like a throwaway episode, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But I still had yeah, I still had fun watching it because as much as I hate clowns, it was, you know, you know, you, that's part of you that... You, and it's all about... The, the episode was all about overcoming fear and finding out who you are. And yeah. I've been afraid of clowns since I was a kid. And... uh so that was, you know, that's always been a part of me, like, you know, going to see the new It, the new It movie. I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll go see it because, you know, it's uh, it, that's a fear of mine and I need to get over that. And um, so 
it, that's what I got out of it, and uh, and I, you know, it was it was still a lot of fun, you know, to watch it and to watch her punch a clown in the face. Um, that was cool. So, <laughs> like you do. Oh, I will straight jack the clown right in the face. Just punch him. <laughs> Don't like him. Don't have any whoop use for that, him. Whoop that clown's ass. Um, all right. I will. Don't like him. <laughs> Uh, new dimensions. While Lieutenant Newton leaving the Orville, with Lieutenant Newton leaving the Orville, Mercer must find a new chief engineer. Although Yaffet is next in line for the position, Commander Grayson discovers that Lamar has been hiding intellectual gifts stemming from wanting to be better accepted as a child growing up in his community. Um, you know, there's a joke there, but I love and respect <laughs> Ronnie Adams, so I'm not gonna make it. I I feel like I've tortured oh, him enough. Lord. To- <laughs> so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let me take a moment to giggle to myself. <laughs> now let's move on. Grayson convinces now. Mercer to his... <laughs> now I'm just morbidly curious. Um, Grayson convinces Mercer to assign Lamar to lead an engineering team assignment in order to evaluate him as a candidate. But when Mercer learns that Grayson similarly pushed for Admiral Halsey to consider him for the Orville, Orville's captaincy. He becomes racked with doubt and resentment, despite Grayson's insistence that he was granted his position on merit and Halsey's confirmation that Mercer's performance on the ship has borne this out. Meanwhile, behind the facade of the ordinary building, <laughs> the Orville encounters a thief with a cache of plasma rifles stolen from the Krill, who is killed when he passes into a region of two-dimensional space. To elude the thief's uh, Krill pursuers, the Orville takes refuge in that region, when the protective quantum bubble around the ship begins to fail, Lamar, initially daunted by being placed in a leadership position, rises to the occasion and becomes Rodimus Prime and works with Yafit <laughs> to help the ship escape the realm, for which Lamar is made chief engineer. I don't engineer think that's how it went. <laughs> Rodimus Prime, rise from our ranks. Um, <laughs> and promoted to the rank of lieutenant commander. Um, like we talked about this earlier, I like the idea of him sort of hiding his gifts to be better accepted, uh, because the colony that he come from didn't really respect intelligence and he did not want to be an outcast, you know, and he's also sort of the, he was also kind of the every man character. I feel like they wrote him this way in this episode because they realized that having two Gordons was dumb and it was essentially white Gordon, black Gordon. So they had to come up with something else for him so it to differentiate the two. And so, okay, well, he's a genius, like yeah. everybody else on the ship. Um, the real fun thing in this is when they go into two-dimensional space. It looks like a video game. Uh, Jesse? Yeah, I, I talked about you know my, my feelings for Jay Lee at the beginning of this show. Uh, the saving grace for this episode, though, in my opinion, is the science fiction revolving around you know, going from 3D to 2D space, which I thought, personally, I, I don't know if I've even seen anything like that represented on a television screen before. Uh, somebody, I was just perusing through here, somebody mentioned there was a book called Flatlands or something like that, uh, that maybe, I don't know if it was the inspiration for, for this episode or elements from it were taken from there. But regardless, uh, you know, that was very, in the words of my father, that was pretty neat. Pretty neat. <laughs> well, well said, Mr. Stark. Sheriff, well said. 
Ronnie. Uh, no, Ronnie. I'm Ronnie. <laughs> Indeed. You certainly are. And, <laughs> I Was I the only one that wanted to actually see this 2D flat world? Oh, man. It's so cool. I loved it. I I I, I wanted like, more. Yes, dude. I wanted more. I wanted to see yeah, what was I going on. Yeah, I wanted to see more. I want I wanted to see him explore it somehow. So, ah, but it, it was oh gosh, um, this was one of the episodes that I was like, I was interested in, but it was not over my head. But it was just like, yeah, okay, I'll you know, uh, just. I don't know. I just don't remember much about it, and it's sad, but it's true. All right, um, Mad Idolatry is probably one of them. It's the season finale, and it's my my favorite episode of this entire season. I loved this episode. It, it is so good. Um, I think I remember like the first, when I first watched it, and I said to you guys in the chat, "I'm like, oh my god, this is yeah, this is amazing." Uh, this is like some of the best written television I've seen in a very long time, and I generally hate network television. So that's high praise. This is, you know, it's not The Wire, but everyone take a drink. <laughs> take a uh, drink. <laughs> but it's up there. Mad Idolatry. Grayson leads a shuttle team that crashes on a suddenly appearing planet with a Bronze Age society. After leaving the crew, discovers... After leaving, the crew discovers the planet phases into our universe for a short time every 11 days as 700 years passes on the planet. They discover their first visit has resulted in a religion that worships Commander Grayson. I mean, who wouldn't? She's hot, right? Hubba hubba. And has grown into I a think theocracy. It was more along the lines that she used a machine to heal people, and they didn't have machines then. No, she or it no, could be that she's really attractive. No, it, it, she said it earlier in the season. She has a case of the tits and what tits they are. My goodness. <laughs> a good case of them. She does. It's a strong a, case. There's a strong, strong case to be made. <laughs> there's a strong case of the tits Commander Grayson has. I agree. <laughs> poor, poor, oh, boy. Poor devil. You um, can send your hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, you nasty women. I'm at mratalis at gmail.com. <laughs> you me nasty up. women. Grab your <laughs> vagina suit, shake your fists. <laughs> Into a theocracy resembling Earth. Someday, Lily's classmates are going to hear this podcast. They're like, dude, your father, man. Um, oh, dude. <laughs> a, a theocracy resembling Earth's Middle Ages. Admiral Ozawa reprimands Mercer for omitting mention of the contamination. It orders no further content. The planet. His his favorite episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Mercer and Grayson defy. The, hey, look, I'm out of sleep. This is big time. Mercer and Grayson defy this order by returning the, to the planet to inform the society's religious leaders of the truth, but a sub- subordinate assassinates them like you do. As a result, yeah, by the time you know, the planet next appears, its society is comparable to early 21st century Earth with religious bickering and strife. Resolving to end the suffering, Isaac stays on the planet when it phases out, spending 700 years with them. When the planet emerges again, it has progressed to interstellar space travel, and two of its representatives return Isaac to the Orville, where they inform the crew that despite the tumultuous effect of his arrival on the planet, 
Its society developed away from worshipping Commander Grayson naturally and suggested that when they progress a millennia ahead, they may study the Union. Um, this was incredible. I'm actually, I want to go to you first, Ronnie. And I know, I, I know the gimmick <laughs> between us is, is that, you know, is that I pick on you, quote unquote. Um, but yeah. I, I, but I, I, you know, obviously I respect your opinion. I, I, I want to hear your point of view. One of the reasons why I want to hear from you is this really dealt head on with religion in a non-denominational uh, sort of agnostic way. It acknowledges mm-hmm. the fact that it acknowledges something that I actually read in a book called um, The Laughing Jesus. And pardon me if you find this in any way offensive. I mean, this isn't, I, I'm not even going to joke around. I don't, I, I don't want to mix things up here um, and see sure. what I'm doing a bit when I'm not. But and I say that because I've, I've brought this up to people before, and it's just like, nope, that's offensive, and they don't even want to talk about it. So I'm just kind of forewarning you. But in The Laughing Jesus, okay. they, talk about, they, they talk about the Jesus myth. Now, we all know what the Jesus story mm-hmm. is. You, Jesus' uh, Jesus's, um, virgin birth, um, grows up to be a prophet, nailed to the cross, comes back to life in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, and along the way, performs miracles. Well, apparently, there's a Jesus. There's a Jesus myth in a lot of different cultures and religions that it's not exclusive to Christianity. Um, and and that's because it is in fact a myth. That is what the Laughing Jesus says. Uh, if you're interested in reading the okay. book, and, and and the book is about Gnosticism essentially. Oh. And so and so half the book deals with hey. You know, between the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians, there's all these similarities, not, notwithstanding the Jesus myth. And then the second half of the book deals with Gnosticism um, and why that's mm-hmm. superior to, mono, to a monotheistic Judeo-Christian slash Muslim religion. Why I'm bringing that up, what, how it relates to this, is the idea that you know, religion um, supplies a society – with a tool for dealing with the unknown and it is useful while things are unknown when they are known okay. religion no longer becomes as useful as a tool and is often discarded. Um, not because it is inherently bad, but because it is now useless. Um, and that's kind of what they said in this episode is essentially they stopped worshiping her when they realized she's just the gal from, from another galaxy and she's not a god, and you know their society has now gotten to a point where it isn't necessary for them to believe in her. How did how did you deal with that? Being somebody who is uh, strong of faith, I uh, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> I remember that. I, I remember the it. text Ronnie Adams sent me shortly after watching this episode. So Ronnie, I want to hear what you have to say. Go ahead, go ahead and, and, and let loose with that. Uh, well, what, I, what, I, what I recall I was Seth MacFarlane, it was something along the lines of Seth MacFarlane doesn't like God or, or something. It was something like or He that. doesn't like Jesus. Doesn't yeah. like Jesus. Something, something along those lines. I remember sitting and I was like, oh, yeah, he watched the last episode. <laughs> yeah, Seth MacFarlane doesn't like Jesus. Okay, um, go ahead and go ahead and, and do your spiel while you're doing it. So I want to actually send you the link to the Laughing Jesus if, you, if you're interested. Okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I deal I, I dealt with it like I deal with this on sometimes a daily basis, depending on what you know, uh where I am, what time of year it is, whatever. Uh it could be every week, it could be every month, it could be every day, depending on where I am and who who I'm speaking with. And, you know, things like that. Um people raising these questions, raising the fact that, you know, do we really need religion anymore? Do we need faith anymore? Um, as a person, as me, I hate the word religion uh, because, in my opinion, religion is corruptible. Uh, my faith, you know, Jesus Christ, who I have my faith in, is not corruptible. Um, so we'll just, well, I'll lay that out there. Um, I think it was it's a very arrogant thing to say that one day we're going to know everything and is that faith as a whole is going to be useless because that's where I took, uh, that's where this episode took me, that they were in, you know, that they were so far advanced in their society that they no longer had a use for any kind of faith, any kind of blind faith. Uh, or faith in general That these people who you know Every 11 days was 700 years to them Had come to a point where they understood Enough of everything Where they didn't really need it anymore And I think that's the hopes of the of. It, to me it, that That's what They're kind of hoping for in the, the writing of this uh, Of this episode of them saying You know one day, maybe we'll all understand that we'll 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 all you know live in this perfect society that you know where everybody understands each other, everybody's tolerant of one another, and we'll never have arguments about it again because religion is what starts all arguments. Now that may be very you know I may you know I may be completely off base of you know with that last part, but that's where it took me. Um. I see the argument. I see their argument. I understand the fact and the need for science and learning and knowing. I always ask questions. It's never bad to ask questions um, about faith, about you know, uh, you know, trusting and 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 science is a good thing. Science was a created. It was science was created so that we weren't dumb and didn't do dumb things all the time. And we understood how things worked. Otherwise, the world wouldn't be where it is right now if we didn't have science. You know, we, I wouldn't be able to talk to you in Florida and Ohio over, uh, over the Internet and broadcast it live without some sort of, you know, without the understanding of how things work. There is a need for that. But in my opinion, we're never going to know what the future is going to bring. We're never going to understand everything because I'm not as, as that arrogant to say that we're going to learn everything about everything. So there's always going to be a need for faith of some sort. You know, there's always going to be the the need to to accept the unknown and just say, you know what? You know, maybe there is a God. Or maybe there is a need, you know. Do you understand where I'm coming from on that? No, I think I it's a very arrogant do. standpoint. I think it's a very arrogant yeah. standpoint to say we're going to know everything. When yeah, right now we don't your... know a whole lot of anything. Okay. Did, did you? Was your opinion more of the 
uh, you know, more liberals being liberals, more people who hate Jesus, just hating on Jesus. Or, you know, it was like, okay, well, this was at least this was at least an interesting episode. And while I don't agree with the premise, I at least found the argument fascinating. If I didn't, if I didn't have that opinion about this this episode, I would have, you know, or the show as a whole, I would have stopped watching after episode one. Okay. Because it Jesse raised enough went- questions about you know what I believe, what I don't believe, or anything to go. Nope, nope, nope. You know, turn it off. I don't want to. I love to listen to people's opinions and arguments and not arguments. I hate arguments. I love to listen to people's opinions. I love debates. I love talking to people and, and fleshing out what they believe and why they believe and everything else because it gives me an opportunity to share what I believe. It gives me an opportunity to, you know, be an adult and actually talk to people about, you know, about my faith and why I believe it and why I believe certain things I do. That I don't hate people. Just because I love Jesus. In turn, I don't believe that people who are atheists or agnostics, I don't believe they hate me because I love Jesus or they, they don't believe. I don't think they hate me. But there are people on both sides that do have a blind hatred of things they don't they don't get, they don't understand, and they won't they won't listen to. So if I if I did not have that interest in in people and want to learn why and how they tick and why they, why they think that I would have stopped watching this after episode one. If you had written, and I think the episode, that's a very important. If you had written the if you had written the episode, how would you? You know, th- they have to conclude the episode in some way. So they they mm-hmm. get it to the point where um, Isaac Bo- Isaac Bo- uh, goes down to the planet. And then there's that 11-day uh, 11 wait to see how it's all going to turn out. Mm-hmm. And they hand you the script, Ronnie, and they say, okay, we don't have an ending here. We don't have a finish. Give us a finish. Um, knowing you're not wazooey about the idea that, um, you know, that we, well, they eventually just came to realize that religion is shit. And, right. <laughs> and, they, and they moved on without it. What do you do instead? How do you end that episode? Well, you're going to have to leave it in an ambiguous way, not an ambiguous way, but you're going to have to leave it in a more open way because of um, the different audiences that you do have. Um, but I was going, I, me personally, I would leave it as just as I said. There's always going to be a need for a faith in something. Um, there's always going to be a need for. There's always going to be an unknown. We don't know everything. So while worshiping Kelly wasn't the right way. There's always going to be blind faith in something. You know, there's always going to be, you're going to have to, whether it be, um, you don't know every scientific equation or anything like that, that, that you know, there's always going to be new discoveries. Um, so there's always going to be, you're always, there's always going to be a need for faith. Whether it be in, in a God, whether it be in people, whether it be in what you're doing. Jesse, you want to jump in here? Um, I threw a lot out there. I don't. Um, I want you to just kind of jump in with your own thoughts or add to anything that we've uh, discussed so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me just say real quick about the episode. This was what I felt. I think they had this episode ready to go before they even thought of the series. I mean, yeah. that's how good of an episode this was. You knew that 
the purpose of the Orville led up to this episode at some point. Um, now, you guys take the the message from this episode a lot more contentious than I do. Okay, uh, what the way, and that's that's a good representation, a, a good example of art, uh, whether it be on a, on paper or whether it be on film. It's up to the the audience to interpret it how they want to, uh, the audience member. Uh, so you, you guys interpreted this a little bit differently than I did. What I, the way that I saw it was, I mean, yeah, Kelly was clearly a god among this, amongst this people. Uh, but what they grew to realize as, as much time went on is that, you know, uh, their god is just somebody that they didn't understand at some point in their life. I honestly think that that is exactly what we as humans go through every day. We don't, whether we believe in God or not, me personally, I do. Uh, I believe that there is a God. I can't see him. I, I, I don't talk to him. You know, uh, it's not like we have a conversation. He knows my thoughts, whatever. I, but I, the only reason I cannot see this and interact with God is because I can't fathom his existence. I can't, I, I, I can't understand what he is, he or she. Uh, so I think that's exactly what they're getting across here, is that this, this civilization didn't have the capability to understand who Kelly was. And yeah, they mistook her for a god, but that doesn't make her less of a god. It's somebody that they believed in. It's someone that's the whole the whole purpose of of God or, or, or of Jesus. It's somebody that you can believe in and and have faith in. Doesn't make her less of less of a God. Yes, she's normal to me and you, but you know that that's the way I took it. It was just the conception of this of this civilization. And as they grew and understood more and more, they they understood more about God. All right, so. You know, I didn't feel much contention coming out of this. I, I didn't feel it, you know, smashing my beliefs. I didn't feel that it was punching me in the face, punching me in the gut. It's just a, a scientific way of trying to explain who God can be. Uh, so I, I, I love this episode. I, I know that as soon as it was over, actually in the middle of watching it, I was like, oh, my gosh. When you guys watch this, it is it, – if you guys don't feel the same way that I do – if you guys don't understand that this is the episode that Orville was written around, I mean, if you're going to go out, you go out with a bang. This was perfect. Do you agree with Ronnie's assertion that uh, Seth MacFarlane and his pool of godless liberal writers hate Jesus? <laughs> the, Jeez, Mark. I remember the quote, Ronnie. It was, the quote was actually, Seth MacFarlane sure hates him some god. That's what it was. If I yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. That makes more <laughs> he, sense. He hates him some God. It, it's tough to not kind of, you know, just, it's tough not to kind of see that, but, you know, see that he's, he's making a commentary about something. Uh, but I can't, yeah. he's, he's, I, I, I can't personally say that. Okay. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's saying this, 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 and this. Now, if you go by his full bio of all his works, 
okay, then I can understand how sometimes you could probably go. It, it could may, it may be able to lead you to that path, but I, I didn't feel I didn't feel violated in any way watching this episode. I don't. So. I don't I'm not going to give. You know, I'm not going to say that I was I felt violated or my faith was questioned or tested or anything like that. But I definitely do feel like um, if you want to go to the extreme with it, I feel like um, the smarter people got in that episode, the more intelligent they got, the less faith they had. Okay. And I, I, th- I think, I, think I, I believe that is – no, go ahead, Ronnie. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and that is – a common theme amongst uh, amongst some people that I have dealt with in the past, you know, that don't know each other, that have similar views, that because someone chooses to have faith in something they can't see, touch, taste, or smell, they're not very smart. Well, that's certainly and, the Bill Maher um, argument, uh, you know, essentially, right. that if, or, or Jim Cornette is that you're a dumb fuck if you believe in, you know, magic people who live in the clouds. That's that's right. That's literally how they put it. Which I which I I think is very condescending. I don't I don't think. I know is very condescending and insulting because I and this is the conversation I've had with my father. My own opinions aside, I see the value in uh in faith. I I hmm. certainly you know it's a it, it can be a lonely, shitty world out there without something greater than yourself to believe in. That's the point I've always tried to drive home with him. That's the point that he consistently misses. Like, every fucking time I, we have this argument. <laughs> there's going to be there's gonna be good and bad to everything and every opinion. Um, there are people of faith who have strong opinions that are so far off base that it's embarrassing. And, you know, you take, well, I mean, the one of the most famous ones, the Westboro Baptist Church. That is what I feel like I am judged by every time I mention that I am a Christian. Uh, You know, in certain, you know, in certain circles and things like that. Um. But also, I, I don't believe that every person who um, does not believe in God, I don't believe that they are a God-hating, uh, you know, child-killing heathen. You know, I, I believe that um, that I want to. You know, I have friends who are agnostic, atheist, everything else, and, and, and I love them. I love them very much, and I and I and I. Um, I desire to hear their opinions, their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams, everything else. I want to talk to them. I want to um, to discuss why I believe, why why they believe, or or choose not to believe. Um, and it's you're going to have good and bad on both sides. And you know, it, it's what you do with your opinion and how you present it. Dependent, you know, it, that that depends on how how everything turns out. You know, um, people marching out in front of a, 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 a soldier's funeral with signs that say God hates fags and everything else, that is not who represents me. 
in my beliefs, just as the people who um, spit and curse and, and, and call, call me an idiot, you know, that I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm a, a uneducated redneck piece of crap because I believe in God. And that's, you know, and people are like, oh, you know, nobody says that. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, so it, it's, like I said, it's, it, it, depending on, you know, who you're listening to and everything else, that's how the argument is going to go. Um, I enjoy listening to people. I enjoy, you know, like I said, you know, uh, talking, debating, everything else. Um, I don't enjoy arguing. All right. Um, I think for it to have sparked this level of discussion, I think, speaks to the merit of the episode. Good, you know, agree or disagree, good, bad, or indifferent. It had, you know, three guys who really wanted nothing more than just talk about how much they liked the TV show to discuss, you know, the old life, the universe, and everything. It's not every TV show that gets to do that. Um, so I, right. I, credit, I credit the writers, you know, regardless of their beliefs, right or wrong, I credit the writers for putting something out in the television marketplace that gets people thinking. I'm sure this drove away a lot of people. <laughs> you know, as oh, they said that without uh, a doubt, they said this was like Fox's like highest rated show, and that's why it got a second season. But I guarantee you, after Mad Idolatry, people were like, "Fuck this show!" And I don't mean people <laughs> who are necessarily like stalwart religious people. I mean people like on both sides were like, "I'm sure you have people that are like, hey, 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 more, you know, uh, bird is the word." No, less uh, less question. Yeah. Less questioning the faith here. Um, yeah. You know, and then there's people kind of like, hey, how like people listen to this episode, or you know, of us talking. <laughs> what happened to the old Waka Waka? Why aren't they making fun? And, and yeah, wait a minute. Why is not Ronnie crying I, yet? I dialed into show for this sort of thing. Wah 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 wah. Oh, it's a living, huh? You know, wah 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 wah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Hang on, one. They fly over. They fly over. And just, just for good measure, let's hear the horse. <laughs> the horse. You got it, buddy. Uh, wah, 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 wah. Sorry. That's the wrong one. one. <laughs> oh, there we geez. go. That makes me feel uh, about myself. I think, uh, <laughs> listen, I want, I want to get my last words on this episode and the future of this series, okay? Here, There's well, going I, to... I, have a, I have an opinion about that. Are you ready? (laughs) No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Uh, uh, Doesn't it all be nice to have a penis? (laughs) There it is. (laughs) All right. They set the bar pretty high, and whether this goes to two seasons or four seasons or six seasons, this episode right here will be the one to top. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it was just, it was good when it comes to talking, talking points. It was good when it comes to science fiction. I mean, a a world phasing in and out, uh, you know, every 700 years. That was, that was awesome. That was a great little little thing to throw in there. There Uh, was some great real 
science fiction in this show, which I, I've talked about this with Robert. We're, we're a society that demanded the superhero movies become more funny. You know, we don't do well with science fiction, like true science fiction anymore. Um, we, we tend to lean more on fantasy and comedy to, to appease the masses. And this show really did get the right ten, tenor as far as comedy and pure Isaac Asimov, I robot science fiction. I, that's what I loved about it. Go ahead, Ronnie. Yeah. He hated he hated it though, didn't he? <laughs> Winfrey? I don't know if Winfrey even gave yeah. this a chance. Did yeah, he? I don't think he watched this. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Yep, uh, there it um, is. All right, you've been listening to Weenie in the Butt here on the Rattlesian Broadcast. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> All right, this has been Dingo and the Baby. Uh, No, um, (laughs) Stoop Family Guy references. All right, um, I think we've all, I think that's it. I think there's nothing left to be said on this. I mean, um, (laughs) hey, you, don't play with your own soundboard. (laughs) Uh, Ronnie, give me. (laughs) Break the knob off. Um, Well, that's that's going on the soundboard soon. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 50 words or less Ronnie unless you've got unless you've said all there is to be said then forever hold your peace uh, about the series as a whole no about weenie in the butt sir <laughs> uh, weenie in the butt I've been a long time listener no time caller uh, no the series as a whole um I think it's excellently written, um, well acted. Uh, it, it's it's you know there's great comedy. There's definitely some great science fiction in it, which, like I said, I did not see coming. Um, I think that's why I'm such a fan of it because it was out of so out of left field for me for what I thought it was going to be. I really, really, really enjoy this. I mean, it's. Uh, no matter what beliefs or, or whatever you hold to, if you enjoy science fiction, you're going to like this. I really, truly believe that. If you're a Star Trek The Next Generation fan, you're going to like this. And um, it's just, I think, it, I think it's excellent. I really do. Um, and if you have it by now, Winfrey, give it a chance. <laughs> I don't know who's listening to the show, but we're only talking to one person, Winfrey. <laughs> Jesse, 50 words or less, go. I'm, oh, I'm easy. Talking. Okay, all right. Uh, listen, a lot of people wrote this off because it was going to be done by Seth MacFarlane. Oh, my gosh. The horror that is about to bestow upon us if he makes a science fiction comedy show. Based a you know, parody of Star Trek. Well, let me tell you, give it a shot. I did. I was not disappointed. Uh, I'm not the most conservative person, but I'll tell you right now, I had feelings on some episodes. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have feelings, right, Ronnie Adams? If you don't, they're not doing it right. That's right. That's right, buddy. I believe. I I want to know. I really. I what you said. I'm very passionate about because I believe you. Not only all, you should have feelings, but also. Doesn't it all be nice to have a penis? 
<laughs> or a case of the tits. <laughs> <laughs> Break the knob off. <laughs> uh, I am done talking now. Barbie movie will be out on May 8, oh. 2020. Oh, <laughs> no. So, I'm doing plugs. I'm plugging the Barbie movie in two years. Oh. If I could just run down the list of movies that'll be out in 2020, start, starting in January. No. Um, all right. All right. <laughs> we're, we're entering the next hour of our show. The schedule. All right. Um, Tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom, uh, we'll be looking at Avatar, Avatar Country. Uh, if you go back in the archives this week, we looked at uh, The Vision by Tom King. And we, uh, we talked about that dick. Oh, Vision, show us that dick. No, um, we, <laughs> we, just, we had a very, another very intellectual discussion, believe it or not, about uh, Tom King's The Vision. So go ahead and check that out on Source Material. Next week, uh, it's more of me and Jesse, more of what you asked for. Uh, we're going to talk Black Mirror Season 4, speaking of Star Trek. And then our second mm. on-trial for the month of January, Sean's pick. Uh, apparently, The Godfathers are now all on Netflix, so go ahead and check those out. And we're going to look at The Godfather Pot Tray. What? Which I've never, which I've never actually seen. What now? What are you having a connection about? Oh, no, I didn't realize they were all on. Man, i got to go and watch two. Yeah, uh, from what I understood, from the article that we read was that all the Godfathers were going to be on the uh, on the Netflix. Sound like an old man. They're going to be on, on the Netflix. The, on, <laughs> Don't break the, the internet. On the interwebs. <laughs> um, so we're going to put the Godfather three on trial, and then we'll follow that up with Machine Head Catharsis on the Metal Hammer of Doom in the month of February. Here's what we got going on. More TV parties and and on trials for you, you peoples. We love oh so much. Uh, On uh, the February 6th, Alexis Haina is going to be on TV party tonight to discuss Pinky and the Brain, Volume 1. Just in time. uh, I bought that entire series on Apple uh, iTunes just in time for the whole thing to be uploaded to fucking Hulu. Um, Yep. Uh, February 13th, we got another on trial. It's training day. That's another one of Sean's picks. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and look at that. It's going to be an interesting one to pick apart. Um, and then damn you Hollywood makes its glorious return in 2018. It is the beginning of Robert Winfrey's winter of discontent as uh, <laughs> we review black Panther and then Ronnie Adams. I have you all Yes, <laughs> the long winter. Um, you know, Batman had a long Halloween, but this is 2018 is going to be the long winter for Robert Winfrey. <laughs> um, it's Pirates Week all week long from the 26th through the 28th. Then I have you all to myself on the 27th, Ronnie Adams. We're going to do Black Sail Season 2. Uh, isn't that going to yes, be funny? interesting? Indeed. It's going to be all right. awesome. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Ronnie Adams of the Screaming Boy podcast. <laughs> Let us tell him. 
<laughs> Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the Instagram and the and the Tinder and the and the puddles of joy and whatever else you do? Oh, I, 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 is there a puddles of joy app? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't even know. I'll, I don't want to know <laughs> what it's for. I, don't, I didn't know that was a real thing. Uh, Screen Boy Podcast, nerd culture, pop culture. We have a lot of fun on there. Uh, just dropped a couple episodes. One of them was uh, Jesse and I had a good discussion about The Last Jedi. Um, the one before that was our TV shows, you know, what TV shows we're watching right now. Um, Jesse brought us Superstore. Adam brought us um, Silicon Valley. Uh, Josh Kleiners brought us the first half of uh, the first season of Runaways. Uh, he's going to bring us the next half. Uh, here soon uh, We talked about you know our favorite binge worthy Episodes things like that uh, I also have got um, Everything is coming Together for this Con I'm going to In March I, I'm going to do a lot uh, I'm trying to go to as many comic Cons as I can um, And because it's a It's a thing I can actually do and enjoy Now Um so I've got uh, North Carolina Comic Con coming up in March, and I've got Raleigh Supercon coming up in July. And I've decided to do something that I haven't never haven't ever done before, and never thought I would, and that is cosplay. I'm actually dressing up as a member of the Ghostbusters. Um, I actually, you know, I've got the last few components of my um, costume in. I just have to build it now, or not build it, but you know, put it all together. Um, and, uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some pictures, video, hopefully some interviews that, that come out of the North Carolina Comic-Con coming up in March. Uh, the main guy that's going to, the main guest that's going to be there that I'm interested in is Kevin Eastman from Eastman and Laird, uh, who created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that's going to be a lot of fun. You can find us on Facebook. Just look up Screaming Boy Podcast. You can find us on, uh, Instagram, Screaming Boy Podcast, Twitter, Screaming Boy PR, uh, we are on JDate, blackpeoplemeet.com, uh, Farmers Only, and Christian Mingle as well. <laughs> so Check it out on the Instagram. <laughs> and on the Instagram. Uh, so go on one of those. Give us a like. Hit subscribe. iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and the Radio Broadcasting Network. All right. I'm done talking. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy Well ladies and gentlemen You can go give the Rattlich in Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like To stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer We're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes We're right here at home on the blogtalkradio.com Just search R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H To find the archives uh, My show, Source Material We talk comics It's like a, uh, it's like a book club for guys who read comics And, and it's, it's fun that's that's the best way to put it. It's a lot of fun. We're at over 140 some episodes. What, Ronnie Adams? Even nerdier book club. That's right. We get <laughs> if that's such a thing. Uh, yes, uh, you. If there's a story that you're interested in, it's a very good possibility we may have already talked about it. So read it and then listen to us talk about it. Or just if you don't have time to read it, listen to us talk about it. There you go. Listen to listen. That's my <laughs> motto. Uh, other than that, you can follow me at Stiznarkey on Twitter at SourceMacCast is my show's Twitter. I'm ready to go to bed, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Radlich, get us out of here. 
All right. Uh, until next time, folks, for Ronnie Adams of the Screaming Boy Podcast. <laughs> and, <laughs> and for the disapproving like dad and the host spinach. of <laughs> and the host of source material in his own right, Mr. Jesse Starcher. I am your mandated reporter, Mr. Mark Radlitz. This has been a Radlitz and Broadcasting Network presentation of TV Party Tonight's review of season one of The Orville. Be well, be safe, and behave. And don't fuck animals.